The following is brought to you in association with and from a proud partner of the Shining Wizards Network. Entertainment here. This is Larry Legend, and you're listening to Wrestling Night in Canada on the Shining Wizards Network. This episode of Wrestling Night in Canada goes out to the memory of Colt 45 and Cameron Wellington. You're listening to Wrestling Night in Canada on the Shining Wizards Network with your hosts, Matt Copper, Dustin Maruka, and Snowy White. What's up, everyone? Welcome to another exciting episode of Wrestling Night in Canada. I'm Snowy White. I'm Matt Copper. And I'm Dustin Maruka. Hey, bros, what's going on? Oh, it's getting colder outside, so it's making it easier to stay inside. I can tell you that much. <laughs> yeah. 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 I guess the way ev- everything is kind of working with the Carino and all of that and Manitoba has really been taking a hit from the whole thing lately. But um, this is the time of year where people start, you know, staying in more often and not really venturing out except to maybe do a bit of snow snow snowmobiling or sledding or ice skating like on saturdays but just i guess day to day like cabin fever is going to start kicking in and all that so it gives us all plenty of time to uh to watch a bit of the pro wrestling and mm-hmm. you know? uh, so anyone who's um kind of Stuck indoors for one reason or another, you know. Thank you for tuning in to this week's episode. It should be uh, pretty exciting um, with everything that went on with the WWF. Just had their Survivor Series, their big annual extravaganza, and I guess that was kind of the big send off to the Undertaker. That I'm looking forward to discussing that. We had um, we had another interview. Woohoo! Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yes, yes. We finally it took. This is episode sixteen, and we've got our second interview. In. So, <laughs> yes, yeah, 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 So, so we're kind of excited for that, and then just whatever else you know, a little bit bits and pieces here and there. What we want to talk about in the squared circle, but at the top of the hop as. We heard um, we lost some uh, we lost some people kind of kind of surprising in the world of wrestling and Dustin just kind of maybe share with us before we get on with it who 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 we lost who we were dedicating this episode to uh, we lost an independent deathmatch wrestler by the name of he goes by the name of Colt Forty Five been wrestling for a couple years now he's i don't remember which company he was the hardcore champion in currently but he all i know is he was in the hospital for maybe a week and then lost his battle i don't know how he passed away either way it sucks that another young indie guy has passed this year also we lost an independent wrestler in the uk by the name of cameron wellington Mm-hmm. He was only 19 years old, like at the beginning of his career to just like pass away like that sucks. Yeah. Wow. wow. And it was because of the the COVID, right? Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, Which that's is, how Cameron. That's how Cameron Wellington died. Yes. Right. Right. Colt that's Colt forty five. There's still no. It still doesn't say how. Okay. Okay. With also so, Colt forty five. By the way, was twenty nine. Oh shit! Uh, so you see, that's that's too young too. Mm-hmm. That's too young too. I just I just got to scratch my head. How does a nineteen year old? Unless there's a pre-existing condition or something, how does a 19-year-old pass away from this? This is this is what makes this so scary. Yeah, I guess you know it, the like it just affects everybody differently. Like, mm-hmm. like I know people that have like gotten over it pretty quickly, and there's still people who have come and gone, but the, it has lingering effects on them. The yeah. It affects everyone differently, and you don't know how it's going to affect you until you, until you get it, I suppose. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, we mentioned here with everything that's going on, like um, here, here in our neck of the woods, in our little corner of the ring, we were um, – thing, thing, things are getting locked down. You know, they're only providing essential services and essentials in stores and all that restaurants aren't doing the the in you know the in the in dining there's no no clubs there's no gigs there's nothing just it's it's kind of scary okay are you guys familiar with the tv show dexter oh yeah okay remember remember dexter's kill room Yes, with the he would like put the plastic all he over the place. Put the plastic all over the room so there was no blood splatter or anything. Well, I was in the drugstore yesterday, okay, oh, yeah. and I went down one of the aisles. And now, since they're only selling essential, you know, the the essentials, I went down this one aisle going to the post office, and both sides, both aisles were covered in plastic. I walked into Dexter's death room. Huh. Like I turned the corner and I just like, holy fuck! It's just this is this is kind of the world that's going on right now. This was at Shoppers. This is yeah. This was at this at my local Shoppers Drug Mart. It's just oh, like wow. wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, but we're not going to dwell too much on all of that. The important thing is that us and ours are still with us and happy and healthy and ready to talk a bit of the pro wrestling. Um, Once again, the WWE had their annual Survivor Series this week, and just yesterday, I believe, as we speak. Unfortunately, I was not able to join you guys to check it out, so I'm kind of uh, I'm kind of eager to hear your guys' take on all the whys and wherefores and all the happenings. So, what's going on, guys? Well, unfortunately, due to the pandemic, NXT was not involved this year as they were last year. Since since uh, the main roster shows and NXT are done in separate buildings, they wanted to kind of keep it that way. Okay. So they just kind of went back to just the Raw versus SmackDown formula that they had uh, in prior years, which was a little disappointing, but I understand. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But like, c- considering like that NXT won the Survivor Series, I think it was like four, it was like four to two to one. It was the final score for for NXT. <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. Well, that's the ideal thing to do. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, 
Yeah, so we just got uh, your usual champion versus champion matches, uh, your five-on-five men's and women's uh, elimination matches. But uh, at the, uh, the during the pre-show, we actually had one match. It was a, a dual-branded battle royal with, uh, with guys from from both shows. And the the only guy wearing a branded T-shirt was The Miz in the entire show. In the entire battle royal, which is I, I thought was a little bit odd because these guys are supposed to be fighting for their own brand. But for the most part, aside from the Miz, it seemed like everyone was just kind of fighting for themselves. Even though there wasn't, there was no like uh, rewards for winning this battle royal other than uh, the brand gets a win. So right. it didn't really make a whole lot of sense in that aspect. But it uh, it was yeah, just your typical like battle royal like. Just quick eliminations, nothing really all that fancy. But the strangest thing about it was like the people who were in it, like people like Rey Mysterio were, was in it, uh, Buddy Murphy was in it, uh, like Nakamura was in it. John Morrison got uh, eliminated fairly early, which I thought was a little weird. Yeah, he went out <laughs> first, yeah. and it was like, what? Yeah, yeah, he actually did. Yeah, which is yeah, which is also weird because I'm pretty sure Miz and Morrison were the last two to actually come into the battle royal from the intros. Mm-hmm. But, uh, but yeah, like, like I said, like pretty quick eliminations and like it came down to, uh, or it looked like it, it, they made it seem like Dominic Mysterio had, uh, eliminated the Miz, but he went over the top rope and was laying on the apron and he actually like rolled all the way into the ring. And then, uh, Dominic baseball slide or baseball slide and kicked him out, but the referees didn't call it an elimination because he managed to get like all the way back into the ring. Mm, so okay. he, he just kind of laid on the outside while uh, Dominic and Chad Gable did kind of a one-on-one. And uh, I got to say, Chad Gable now more than ever resembles Kurt Angle to a T. <laughs> <laughs> like, his ring attire, his haircut, he looks like exactly like the 1999 version of Kurt Angle. <laughs> And was Gable supposed to be like Kurt Angle's son or something? Or no, that was Jason Jordan, his old tag partner. Oh, okay. Ah, He's still up with the neck. Okay, well, so it wasn't it wasn't Gable who was Jordan. Is his son? Well, I don't know about this. I think I I think that I think they might have DNA'd the wrong guy then. Yeah, maybe. If, if if Gable is looking more and more like Angle and all that, I think. I think they should be talking to the women that the two <laughs> women that Kurt was hanging out with. Yeah, well, maybe. But, uh, <laughs> but yeah, by the end of it, uh, Dominic had eliminated Ch- uh, Chad Gable, thinking he had won the match for SmackDown. But then the Miz came back in the ring, quickly eliminated Dominic. <laughs> so yeah, the Miz ended up winning the dual branded Battle Royal, which again doesn't doesn't get him anything. Other, other than other than a win for Raw, so he's still Mister Money in the Bank, though. So that's something, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? Right. Okay. Isn't um? Aren't they bringing back um the uh, Mrs. TV show, the Miz and Mrs. or something like that? No, that's been yeah. They they started a new season of that a couple weeks ago, I think. Oh, okay. Because I was thinking if they were just starting it now, then yeah, giving. The TV show push by him winning the battle royal, and I'm like, well, wait a minute, this might be a little back ass word, but okay, yeah. maybe that's why. He, yeah, I guess it's pretty telling that he was the only one wearing a 
wearing a branded t-shirt and he's the one who won yeah yeah you're i you're saying the branded t-shirts and all that like do they they don't like they didn't in the past all wear red t-shirts or all blue t-shirts or whatever to make it kind of a team yeah recently they have been but they kind of like calmed down on that a bit this year okay Uh, with the exception of a few people like i uh, (laughs) like most of team smackdown was wearing them uh for the men the men's five on five team but for the most part, it just seemed like people were just wearing like ring attire that had colors that was associated with their brand, rather than uh-huh. just rather than just the logo shirts that people would would usually wear. Which I was right. I was fine with because like the t shirts that they were wearing, like they were just like red and blue t shirts with the logo, and on the back they had either the USA or the Fox logo, which I thought was just ugh, <laughs> oh, yeah, oh that's brutal, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah, I was. All right. All right. All right. You know whose idea that was? Uh huh. Yeah. Well, who knows? Maybe, maybe all the network reps actually asked for that to be a thing. But well, yeah, that's actually who I was kind of thinking. Someone from Fox said, "Hey, let's do this." Someone from the USA said, "Hey, let's do this." And then mm-hmm. Vince was like, "Great idea." There yeah. We are. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad I thought of it. Yeah, <laughs> but uh, yeah. So to kick off the to kick off the main show was the men's five on five traditional elimination match, which was yeah Team Raw, which was AJ Styles, the self proclaimed captain. Well, so there was a uh, Braun Strowman, Keith Lee, who has new music, by the way. <laughs> that is, that is and completely it's terrible. singing now too. It's Keith Lee singing it. Yeah, that's pretty, which I think is pretty awesome. It's better than what he had when he first debuted on Raw, but still yeah. not quite not quite as good as his NXT theme, though. But anyway, I digress. It was uh, so it was AJ Styles, Braun Strowman, Keith Lee, Matt Riddle, or sorry, just Riddle, <laughs> just Riddle. Now he, <laughs> he he lost his first name. Yep, and uh, and Sheamus. Yeah, against Team SmackDown, who was comprised of. Kevin Owens, King Corbin, Jey Uso, Seth Rollins, and Otis. So, yeah. Like, it was, like, more, it was an entertaining match, I thought. Uh, like, your usual, like, spots where they have, like, the the equal guys, like, kind of face off against each other at, at some points. Like, they had, uh-huh. they had Otis and, they had Otis and Keith Lee f- facing off, <laughs> which I thought was, like, they did the whole standoff thing, and then they had the the fake crowd noises chimed in to try to hype it up a little bit, which you know, it helps a little. Like it helps a bit, but not. Yeah, yeah. When if you okay with 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 a piped in audience, like if okay, this is going to sound weird, but if you don't really notice it, it works. Like if, yeah. if you know, if you just if you just catch it on that level where it's basically in 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 the background. But when you notice it, it's it's brutal. Yeah, it is. Like some, sometimes they hit the button a little bit too late for the cheer for the big pop. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's super noticeable. But uh, yeah, o- overall, uh, this match was pretty good. When Seth Rollins got tagged in, he immediately just like kind of sacrificed himself as like, like he didn't even wrestle. He just kind of like stood there, turned around to his teammates, and just said. For the greater good, and then turned around to Seamus, fell down to his knees and said, Do what you have to do. So Seamus <laughs> broke Seth Rollins, 
pinned him, and that that was it. Seth Rollins was out of the match. So I didn't notice when Matt, because Matt, because uh, sorry, because Riddle and Seth have like beef in real life. So did you notice when Riddle was in his corner getting beat up, Seth was just standing there with his eyes closed? Oh no, I didn't. <laughs> huh. That's interesting. But why? Well, what's, yeah. what's what's their heat in real life? Oh, just. Riddle said some shit about Seth Rollins, and Seth Rollins didn't like it. Thought it was disrespectful, more or less. Okay. Riddle's, Riddle's got some heat with a few people in the back, but yeah, <laughs> yeah we'll we'll not talk about that. Okay. So anyway, I'm fairly certain that this whole angle is just leading to Seth Rollins uh, going away for a while, since Becky Lynch is about to give birth. Right. So that makes sense. Like it was a weird way to write him off TV. Like I don't know why he had to like take the pinfall or why he couldn't have just left early and got counted out. But right. <laughs> it was, no, it, you have to get kicked in the face first. It was, it was definitely unique. That's for sure. Uh, but yeah. And then, yeah, slowly one after the other, like members of team SmackDown were just dropping like flies until it came down to just Jey Uso as the sole SmackDown guy. And then, Keith Lee caught him coming off the top rope, turned it into a spirit bomb, pinned him, and Raw, Team Raw won with a clean sweep. Oh, okay. Yeah, and no, nobody really expected this, I guess, because like the storyline that's been on Raw for the past few weeks has been the Team Raw. It's just been a bunch of infighting, like all these guys who just can't get along, mm-hmm. trying, to, trying to trying to be teammates, and this is not a <clears throat> pull off the clean sweep <laughs> and then they're all just like looking around being like oh okay cool <laughs> we did it and then all five of them their signature poses at the end of the match in the ring all together as a as a showing of unity there you go, there you go. I'm actually kind of surprised and I really shouldn't put this out there into the wrestling universe or whatever but just in in the middle of the match like to to write Rollins out have like his cell phone go off and then he, he then then he has to interrupt the match he has to go to the ref <laughs> hey 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 I, I it, it it's Becky her her water broke I got to go man I got to go <laughs> <laughs> just have him run off <laughs> just have him run off and then the ref make the 10 count and yeah you know, <laughs> Seth Rollins has been eliminated. <laughs> Seth, <laughs> Seth, Rollins, <laughs> Seth Rollins has been eliminated by means of becoming a dad. <laughs> Actually, you know, like, okay, okay, we're we're pissing around. That, that, okay, okay, that's an independent wrestling booking, okay? That's, <laughs> <laughs> that, that's a Vince Russo idea. <laughs> oh, God, yes, I can see. Yeah, but with Russo, you would be following you know him to the hospital and yeah and then it would turn out he wouldn't be the father he, yeah the kid <laughs> would come out spanish or half black or something and it's or, just, or he would get yeah he'd get attacked by a bunch of people and whipped with belts in the movie field. <laughs> yeah, right. oh no it's not the hand it's the wrist <laughs> just, just just she's just she's giving birth he's attacked in the yeah. he's he's attacked in the room and all that <laughs> He's just getting whipped with bedpans. Oh, God. Oh, God. Okay, when I woke up this morning, I never thought we would be talking about this. This is great. Oh, God. That's brutal. But the the sad thing is, you could totally see it. Mm -hmm. (laughs) 
can see you can see the WWF doing it though. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That all right. Is, so that's Russo written all over it. That's a, <laughs> yeah. So after uh, the match, Roman or J, uh, Jay Uso was standing there with Jimmy, and they were talking like. Jay was looking like worried because he knew that Roman Reigns was going to tear a strip off of him for losing. And sure enough, that's exactly what Roman did. And Roman basically told both of them to get out of here. And there's not a place at the table for losers and essentially cut them out of the family. Ah, <laughs> yeah. Okay. All right. And will, and will this come, will this play into later? I guess we'll find out. <laughs> dun, dun, dun. Yeah. And next up, yeah, next up after that was the, uh, the tag team champions match between the the New Day and the Street Profits, who, as we've discussed before, recently swapped titles. So, not sure really how you can fight in honor of a title that you didn't even win. <laughs> but whatever. Uh, the, the the point of it is, is that it was a good match. I thought, and uh, uh, Big E actually did come to the ring with uh, the New Day which I thought was a little weird considering that he's on another brand, but I guess they're, they're real life and kayfabe best friends. So it makes sense to a, to a certain degree. Right. But he didn't actually end up staying out at ringside. Now the street profits came out and you know how they have their whole thing with the solo cups, the red solo cups. Well, no, but okay. okay. Well, that, that's one of their things is that they, <laughs> like, they carry around solo cups and, uh, uh, Montez Ford had got himself his own, like uh, a new blue one because he was on SmackDown. But uh, yeah, at, during their entrance, like a bunch of like solo cups just come shooting out of either end of the stage and like rain down. <laughs> it's kind of like the Young Bucks and their money. No, oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, but uh, they didn't even, those weren't even blue. Those were still red. So I was yeah. confused about that. <laughs> Someone screwed up. Yeah. Couldn't have gotten some blue solo cups to shoot, especially for Survivor Series. Oh, well. Dollarama only had the red ones, damn it. <laughs> yeah, because they can't afford it. Yeah. Anyway. Um, yeah, this match was actually like, it was exactly what I expected it to be. I, I knew it was going to be a, just an amazing match, and sure enough, it was. And, uh, it was kind of like, it was a face versus face match, but like, I don't want to say that New Day were kind of playing the heels, but they were definitely playing like the like the wily veterans who were kind of just like trying to put the, the newbies in their place. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Mm-hmm. But the, uh, yeah, it's, it's a couple points. They even like pointed out, they, the, the new day had hit their, fin- their finishing move called the midnight hour. But because big E wasn't a part of the move, like he usually was, that's what <laughs> they used that as an excuse as to why they were able to kick out of it because they didn't have the power of big E on, on the other <laughs> half, of the move. which I thought was actually pretty good storytelling. I'm not going to lie. But, uh, yeah, uh, the Matt, well, and Montez Ford ended up hitting one of his uh, very awesome uh, frog splashes that he does now. Best frog splash in the business. Overall Van Damme style frog splashes. Yeah, was one of the best in the business as far as I'm concerned. (laughs) Okay. The match uh, ended with, uh, I guess, like a... What would you call it? like an electric chair blockbuster? Like uh, Angelo Dawkins had uh, had him up on the on his shoulders, and then Montez Ford did the blockbuster off the top rope, and that's what won the Street Profits of the match. Yeah, that's basic. Yeah. 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 
So it's like a doomsday device blockbuster thing. <laughs> and, there, and you have to say their entrance gear was amazing because oh. as of like yesterday, they are uh, DLC. For all you gamers, they are DLC in the Gears of War 5 game. Yeah, the New Day. Yeah, they, they came up with like big, big armor, armored suits. <laughs> that was pretty cool. <laughs> you sounded just like Charlie Brown's teacher there. <laughs> when you talk about the, all the gamer stuff and the DLC oh. and all that, like to me, I heard. Wah, 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 wah. <laughs> also, Batista's in that game too. Oh God! <laughs> okay. All right. Now we heard was Batista. Wah, wah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's going to be the new gimmick for me on this show. Whenever we start talking WWF and all this this crazy stuff, I'm just, <laughs> just going to flip into Charlie Brown mode. All right. <laughs> all it's going to turn into a bunch of trumpets. A bunch of mutant trumpets. <laughs> anyway. Yes, please. Um, continuing on, but yeah. Uh, Street Profits got the win over the New Day. And uh, afterwards, they kind of like faced off against each other. And like, I was kind of like thinking, are the New Day, the, the day going to turn heel? Like, what's uh, what's going to happen here? But then they ended up hugging it out and <laughs> raised each other's hands. So, yeah, everybody remains a baby face. It was, it was oh, more like, yeah, it was, it was, they, they, gave them, they gave each other good game hugs. <laughs> but, uh, yep. Okay, so what's what's the score now? Uh, it is two to one for Raw, but the funny thing about the entire show is they didn't even have a, a scoreboard at the bottom like they did have in previous years. Oh, okay, uh-huh. yeah, yeah, that was weird, <laughs> which, I, which I thought was kind of weird. But uh, yeah, there was uh, yeah. So, but if you're keeping count, yes, it was uh, two for Raw, one for SmackDown so far. Okay, right on. Yeah, and. Uh, then next up was the uh, U.S. champion versus Intercontinental champion match. Uh, it was Bobby Lashley representing Raw against uh, Sami Zayn, who was representing SmackDown. This match pretty much was exactly what I thought it was going to be. It wasn't like really like amazing by any standard. It was just like Sami Zayn was using his like heel tactics to try and like convince the referee that everything's a conspiracy against him. And <laughs> they're trying to cheat because the, the, all the other members of the Hurt Business were around ringside for the match. So Sammy was trying to use that to like to either win the match by DQ and and like trick the referee because like he went outside at one point and they, like the other three just kind of surrounded him or trash talking him and then and, he shoved them. Yeah, Sammy Zayn shoves Cedric Alexander and Cedric like almost goes to hit him, but like Shelton Benjamin like blocks him because he knows if he hits him then that's a DQ and Sammy gets the win. So. Yeah, and then at one point, Sammy actually tried to leave the ring, and MVP was standing on the ramp, and uh, <laughs> Sammy like purposely tripped over MVP's shoe. That was <laughs> great. Tried, like, out, yeah, tried to point it out to the referee. He the tripped ref- me. Yeah, he tripped me. <laughs> but the referee was distracted. With like Bobby Lashley was distracting him, so uh, so MVP ended up throwing him back in the ring when the referee was distracted, and Sammy was like looking at MVP, and then like trying to talk down to him and then Lashley got him in the, the full Nelson or the hurt lock, whatever he's calling it. Uh, and the then, Sam, lock. or yeah, the, <laughs> yeah, 
the Lashley, the lock, whatever you want to call it. Uh, but yeah, he got him in that Sammy tapped out and no, well, that was it. <laughs> that was it for that match. Right. Yeah. So it was, yeah. Like I like Sammy Zayn's character, but it's just a, like a shame that he's not really showing off his old wrestling skills. Like he, like he used to when he was a baby face, but well, what are you going to do? <laughs> mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. Oh, so yeah, that's a, that's another win for Rock. <laughs> okay, three to one for Rock. Yep. If you keep it back. <laughs> and then, yeah, next up after this was the SmackDown Women's Tight Champion Sasha Banks versus the Raw Women's Champion Asuka. This match I thought was actually really, really good. A lot, a lot better than some of their matches they've had so far this year, which these two have had like quite a few. But, but yeah, this one. I thought was actually quite good. And like, uh, there was a couple moments where I actually thought either of them could pull it off. And you didn't really, I, I didn't really like know who was going to come out the victor in this match. Cause like, it's obvious that they're pushing Sasha Banks, but Oscar is also Oscar. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. yeah. But, uh, in the end, uh, Oscar ended up getting rolled up. And Sasha Banks got her, got the one, two, three on her. Oh. So, yeah, which, yeah, I was like, like, I know I said I wasn't like, I couldn't really like pick who was going to, who was going to win, but I was kind of a little bit surprised that Sasha pulled it off. So I guess uh, they're, they're giving, she's in line for like a monster push. Because we all know Oscar can out wrestle that whole women's division. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Easy. But uh, it definitely seems like it definitely seems like uh, Oscar's in line, or sorry, that Sasha's going to be pushed as like a major top babyface on SmackDown now. Which, at this point, I think she kind of deserves it. <laughs> like, after, after, mm-hmm. so, after so many uh, years of like winning titles and then losing them after her first defense, it's actually cool to see her succeed. <laughs> like now, like not only like. Successfully defending her title against Bailey a couple weeks ago on SmackDown, now beating Oscar clean in the middle of the ring at Survivor Series. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm looking forward to see seeing where they take Sasha Banks from here because, yeah, I have a feeling she could be a really big star if they actually push her proper. And so yeah, so that's a win for SmackDown. So it's now two to three, <laughs> three to two. Oh, yeah, three to two. Yeah, and then next up was the. Uh, women's five on five traditional uh, Survivor Series elimination match. This match was really oddly booked. I thought it was it was entertaining, but just like the whole like storyline around like how uh, Nia Jax and uh, Shayna Baszler have been treating Lana like absolute garbage, putting her putting her through uh, the announce table week after week after week, which I think the count was up to nine at the, yeah. at the time of the pay-per-view. Two months, oh. every Monday yeah. night, Rob, putting her through a table. Yeah, nine oh. weeks. Yeah. Okay, sorry, what's the storyline for doing that? Probably punishing her because Rusev's an AEW. Right, yeah, okay, yeah. but yeah, that's that's that's, that's the, the real thing, but did they come up with this... Like a storyline for why Basically, they're doing that? It's Nia Jackson's Shanna telling her she's useless and shit. Yeah. Yeah. Telling her that she doesn't belong here and they're trying they're putting her through the tables trying to get her to quit the team and she just won't quit. So she's being 
she's being booked as like a sympathetic baby face, essentially. That's right. Oh, yeah. okay. Okay, so, but <clears throat> behind the scenes and all that, like the the shoot is that they're punishing her because Miro is off being the best man somewhere. Yeah. Else. <laughs> yeah, on in greener pastures. Mm-hmm. But uh, mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> And but, uh, he's allowed to use Twitch. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Why yeah. oh, well, don't get me going about that? Oh, that's that's a whole other ball. He's of allowed wax. to play his video games, Snowy. He's Hi. allowed to play his video games. Anyways, so so this match was uh Team Raw, which was Nia Jax, Shayna Baszler, Lana, Peyton Royce, and Lacey Evans against Team SmackDown, which just all randomly came together uh the this past friday i think <laughs> or, mm-hmm. it was uh it was bianca belair bailey uh ruby riot Liv morgan and natalia no all smackdown so they're like this is yeah this is uh what i was talking about where all like all the members ex- uh all the members of these teams were just kind of wearing attire that was uh color-coded for their brand rather than wearing their brand exclusive t-shirts except for bailey bailey had a modified smackdown t-shirt but everybody else either had blue ring attire or red ring attire which i thought was pretty cool yeah so uh yeah this match was pretty slow to start i thought like uh they were kind of like using the first bit of the match to kind of tell the story that nobody wants lana on the team so nobody was tagging her in. So then Lana tags herself in and then goes uh, goes one-on-one against Natalia for a little bit, which I thought, like, I'll give her credit where it's due. She was kind of holding her own pretty well against her for a little bit. And then she got tagged out or she or she was reaching for the tag. Nobody wanted to tag her out. And then eventually someone tagged her out. But then <laughs> Nia Jax and Shayna Baszler basically told her, like bullied her into just standing on the step and not leaving that spot for the rest of the match. <laughs> well, you're down a person then. Yeah, but they didn't consider her to be useful in the first place. So, right. Okay. Okay. That makes sense. That makes sense. Yeah. So that was just their ego is getting the better her getting the better of them telling like, yeah, bullying her into just staying on the step while the other four women did their thing. And when I say that she stayed on that step for the rest of the match, that's exactly what she did. <laughs> And it's well, an easy yeah. payday. Yeah. Well, there, and there was there. Yeah. There was like a few spots or there was a spot in the match where uh, Peyton Royce suplexed uh, Bailey to the outside and landed on all the other girls while Lana still standing on the step, not moving a muscle. <laughs> so while the other nine girls were just like laid in a heap on the other side. But then uh, the first elimination of the match was actually actually surprising. And Peyton Royce actually pinned Bailey clean. After hitting over their finisher, oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, good on Peyton Royce. Mm-hmm. Also, there was a, there was a line on commentary that nobody seems to have uh, caught, but uh, Peyton Royce had uh, I think it was Natalia in some sort of a submission on the on the ropes at one point, and Corey Graves said, "I would give that one a perfect 10. <laughs> which yeah, yeah, kind of a kind of a kind of a, a call out to uh, her husband Sean Spears who used to be Ty Dillinger in WWE the perfect no. channel oh okay there it is. yeah at first I was just kind of like hey 
<laughs> I like to imagine that Sean Spears was watching that at home and just like texted Corey Graves after that being like, hey, you fucker. <laughs> you got me. Yeah. But yeah, but uh, like I was saying, the, uh, the this like after Bailey got eliminated, it actually like the, the elimination started getting a lot more frequent. Okay. And yeah, uh, then uh, one of the stupidest eliminations I actually thought, though, was when Shayna Baszler had Bianca Belair in the Kira uh, uh, Clutch or that submission hold that she does. Mm-hmm. Actually, first before I before I mention this, she uh, she did have that move on Ruby Riot. Ruby Riot had reversed that into a pin, but the referee was distracted, so Ruby Riot was still in the submission hold but flipped over. And when the referee actually eventually turned around, counted two. And then Ruby Riot just kind of flopped over because she had passed out. And then Shayna Baszler pinned her. I thought that was actually pretty cool. No, okay. never that stands to reason. Yeah. <clears throat> but uh, yeah, she so she tried to do the same thing to Bianca Belair. Bianca eventually got up and got to the ropes. And while she was like clearly hanging on the ropes, like with her, with her, like her arm was like hanging over the bottom rope. Shayna Baszler still had the submission hold in and the referee was clearly counting to five right in front of her face and she didn't let the hold go so she got disqualified and eliminated because of that <laughs> for someone who's right. called for someone who's called the submission magician that didn't really make a whole lot of sense from a booking aspect no in my opinion but anyway mm-hmm. it, uh, it came down yeah so uh, it came down to Bianca Belair was the only woman left on the SmackDown team and then Nia Jax and technically Lana were still on the Raw team. Uh, Bianca Belair and Nia Jax were fighting on the outside. Bianca Belair flipped her over the guardrail, and then the referee, as soon as she did that, the referee counted to 10 and counted them both out, meaning that Lana was the only surviving member of Team Raw. Because she was told to, yeah, actually, that's good booking. That's think so? That works, yeah. Because, like... I- like, I, I, I kind of made uh, Bianca Belair look bad, but well, uh, yeah. But I guess if the idea was to push what they're doing with Lana, I suppose, yeah, yeah, you know, like yeah, it probably doesn't do everyone else much much favors and all that. But I, I, I thought see, it was a, I see that. yeah, I thought it was a little bit odd because like her state like. Like she's being booked as a baby face and then she just stands on the like I know she was told to, but she like standing outside doing nothing the entire match and then claiming and celebrating as if she was the one who actually won the match seems like the biggest heel move. Yeah. Could be. And then Naya just like <clears throat> losing her shit. Oh yeah. Yeah, she was not happy about that. So probably on Raw there's gonna be repercussions. We're gonna say table table break number ten. You're gonna put her yeah. through <laughs> yeah. table tonight, I guess. And, yeah. Uh, and this is probably going to lead to a tables match between the two at TLC next month. There, well, okay, <laughs> there we are. Yeah, yeah, geez, we could book this ourselves. Yeah. Okay, does, does Lana have an accent? Is she still Russian? Is she? No. 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 <laughs> and gave up on that. <laughs> she hasn't said shut up in a Russian accent in a long time. <laughs> no, she, yeah, she just, she just kind of dropped that out of nowhere. I don't know. There's no explanation for it, really. <laughs> wow! Just, yeah. Wow! Yeah, I know it, it. It really confuses me. Like when I go to work, okay, and my coworkers' their nationalities change on me like that. 
you know, <laughs> it's like, you know, it, 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 it it's confusing when that happens, mm-hmm. you know, <laughs> you know, like, you know, like, in other words, make the effort. Okay. Like Miro's gone. Okay, yeah. fine. Okay, but you built her and you did a damn good job with her. Like the Lana I will always remember was Miro's um, manager. Mm-hmm. You know, the Bridget Nielsen from Rocky Four and all that. Like she was absolutely amazing. That's the Lana I will always remember. Okay, characters change, characters evolve and all that, but just for her to lose her accent. It's just yeah. it's it, it's head shaking. Okay, she could still be, you know, she could change. Okay, we're now going to make her a wrestler. She's not just a manager and all that. Let her keep her accent, though. God, like I remember when Nikita Koloff was the Russian nightmare, you know, Ooh. but he he turned face and started teaming with Dusty Rhodes and rah 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 America. He still had. His Russian accent, and he had it into the AWA, like when he left the NWA and all that. Like he he was the character all the way all the way through, and all that. Now you guys are doing the Charlie Brown thing. Oh, Snowy's talking about the old days. (laughs) (laughs) No, I understand most of it. (laughs) (laughs) Understand most of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so Lana actually was the winner, and that's that's actually a good way to go. That's yeah. a good way to go. Yeah, that's another win for Team Raw. Okay, so it's four to two. Yes, four to two. Okay. And uh, <laughs> <yep>. <laughs> I gotta have some fun with this, guys. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So then, in the main event, it was. Uh, yeah, it was the world t- world champion versus uh, universal champion Drew McIntyre against uh, Roman Reigns. This mm-hmm. match I thought delivered really well. Like considering that it only had a week of build up, mm-hmm. I thought it was absolutely phenomenal. Way better than it could would have been if it was Roman versus Orton, because like that was initially supposed to be the match, but then Drew, then Drew won the title back, and then Remember yeah, they had- when Drew came out, it looked like he broke the sword. Yeah, he yeah he jammed the sword into the into the stage and it kind of like went <laughs> like flopped to the side a little bit. <laughs> yeah. And then he was like, "Oh, he got this from his grandpa and Scott." Blah blah blah. It's like in reality, it's Mister McMahon's sword because of course Vince has a fucking sword, right? Of course, yeah, of course he does. <laughs> so it's like, so when that happened, my da- me and dad started laughing. We're like, "Oh no, Grandpa Vince is pissed. He broke his sword." <laughs> <laughs> Well, that's yeah. a sign of virility. Yeah. <laughs> you know, the, if the anything, man, the punishment the is going to buy me a new sword. <laughs> but yeah, yeah. So yeah, so not only does yeah, Vince McMahon has a sword and he has a what is it like a T Rex skull in his office too or something? Yeah. Because of course he does. <laughs> yeah, it's like because when Drew was asking around for a sword, Vince was like, "Oh yeah, I got one at home," and then he's like, "Of course you do." Yeah, of course. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, he's 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 not compensating. Yeah, not at all. No. Okay. It's like I'm, I'm not I'm not surprised, but also still kind of just like okay. <laughs> <laughs> the grapefruits. Yeah. Oh God. 
Oh, God. <laughs> okay. All right. All right. Anyway. Prime, primal Scream had to do it. Yeah. But, <laughs> yeah, this, this, so the, the whole match was kind of centered around how, like, uh, Roman Reigns is kind of underestimating Drew McIntyre, basically treating him as a number two champion in the company. And right. yeah, basically undermining him being like, he's like, you're, or I think the line he uses, you were the right guy in the right place at the wrong time. Oh, yeah. but yeah. And that, and that he'll always be number two, as long as Roman Reigns is quote head of the table. Okay. Even, dur- even during their contract signing, they didn't sit across from each other. Roman Reigns actually took his seat and put it at the head of the table. <laughs> that was pretty funny. Actually, no, that's that that's great. Like I'm, I think that's that's smart because he's acknowledging the Anoa family, okay, mm-hmm. and like their legacy, and he's being the smartass brat about it. And they're playing it up as much as they can. It's a great idea. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I actually do enjoy this uh, new heel version of Roman Reigns quite a bit. Oh, it's probably the most interesting he's ever been. And oh. it's about time somebody taught him how to talk, too. God. <laughs> Holy shit. Well, I mean, his no promos on- still aren't great, but it's like Paul's getting to him, and it's good. <laughs> yeah, but there's no point on teaching him now. Just, just because he's he's got the mouthpiece, so you might as well just let him say head of the table every once in a while and let 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 Paul go. Yeah, but it doesn't seem like that's what's happening. Though. Like Paul Paul Heyman, if anything, like they're just calling him the advisor. He's not like a he's not the advocate like he was to Brock Lesnar. Ah, uh-huh, okay. So like uh, like a lot of the times, Paul Heyman even looks like scared of Roman Reigns. <laughs> Which is fine. I I have no problem with it. But uh, well, like the times yeah. Brock would like start killing people, and him would be like, "No, what are you doing, Brock? <laughs> Stop, <laughs> Brock! Hold him down! Yeah. What are you doing?" Yeah, but uh, this match I thought delivered really well because, like, obviously these two guys are at the top of their game right now, and it's like. The battle of not only the world champions, but the battle of who has the longest, wettest hair in the entire company. <laughs> <laughs> Don't put it out there, man. Don't put it out there. <laughs> but, uh, Down on Friday, Roman comes out. My hair is the best. <laughs> yeah. It's the longest and the wettest. <laughs> well, at least it wasn't a hair versus hair match. <laughs> but uh, oh god, Roman Bald will look so fucking weird. Yes, well, either of them, but whatever. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, anyway, getting to the actual match. Uh, yeah, Drew took the initial advantage, but Roman Reigns actually bounced back, uh, and a few times, and like, uh, yeah, like Reigns, like the anytime Reigns got the advantage, he would basically like talk down to Drew, basically saying how he's the He's the head of the table. He, Drew's secondary champion, yada, yada, yada. But, uh, yeah, like it, at a, at a, for a second there, it actually looked like Drew was going to was gonna beat him after he hit him with the, the headbutt that he calls the Glasgow kiss and then hitting him with the future shock DDT. Mm-hmm. Roman, Roman Reigns ended up being able to kick out of that. 
And then Ro- uh, Roman actually like whipped out the Superman punch, which I don't think he's done since he turned heel. And I don't know why they're still calling it the Superman punch. <laughs> is it a bad Yeah, yeah. Yeah, they should change it to like. Well, I don't know, but uh, would you call who? What? What? What villain stands out like Superman does? Yeah, there's Lex Luthor and all that, but you 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 can't call it the Penguin Punch. Yeah, oh, Penguin Punch. <laughs> the penguin Punch. Well, since, or the Joker Punch. Or since Do- or Doomsday was the one who killed Superman, so call it the Doomsday Punch. Uh, no. Yeah, well, okay, no, Joe and Jane Average might not really know who Doomsday is, but that word, Doomsday, works. You're on to something there, dude. <laughs> but who knows? Maybe they can't. Maybe they, maybe they can't get the rights to use it. Who knows? Well, yeah. I would think that's the same thing as Armageddon. Like, that's oh, got to yeah. be, yeah, that's that's got to be public domain. But mm-hmm. anyway, yes. Anyway, yeah. Um. But yeah, the the end of this match came again when um, uh, McIntyre had hit Roman with the Claymore, but in doing so, knocked the referee out and out of the ring. Okay. So, yeah, so with no referee in there, Jey Uso came running down the ramp, super kicked, uh, yeah, super kicked uh, McIntyre, and then which led to Roman Reigns hitting the low blow on McIntyre. <laughs> another referee came down you have to assume he would have seen this interference and low blow from the back but you know whatever mm-hmm. <laughs> so he just comes in and just starts acting like the new acting as the new referee and then uh roman got that new submission that uh, scissor lock submission hold that he's been using uh lately he got that on drew and then drew ended up uh just passing out and yeah they the, the referee checked on him and rang the bell. So Roman won via submission. Oh, okay. Sorry, who is Roman with? Oh, uh, Jey Uso. <coughs> no, no, is he Raw with? Is he Raw or SmackDown? Oh, sorry, sorry. Yeah, uh, Roman is with SmackDown. Oh, so it ended up. So it ended up being four to three for Raw. Ra- Ra- okay. Yeah. So I guess Raw won the Survivor Series this year, even though they weren't keeping track. <laughs> but really, it means nothing in the end. So whatever. Yeah, yeah. Like I was, I would think that because this just doesn't feel like, like if if the brand split meant something, okay, then mm-hmm. these would be you know dream matches, mm-hmm. and none of these just. It just feels like a WWF match. It, you know, just just like another another pay another pay per view or special event or whatever. If you're going to have a brand split and you're going to have them cross like at a special event like this, then it it, it has to mean something throughout the year. And yeah, it, it, it just it, doesn't it, feel like it. Yeah, it, it doesn't help the fact too that like most of these, like our, a good portion of these guys were on the other show, like only a, like a month ago. <laughs> hey. Right, right, yeah. It just it just doesn't feel. It doesn't have a big match feel. It doesn't have a dream match feel. Like they're just when they initially did the brand split way back when that actually that that had my attention. Mm-hmm. That 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 had me going. Okay, this 
they they could be on something here if they do this properly and have a you know WrestleMania and have some 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 crossover matches and all that like it it could really work <laughs> and it's just no I don't know I don't know like I don't want to be too judgmental because like I said I just don't get to the TV Monday nights and Friday nights SmackDown's on Friday right yeah. Up here, okay. See, I just I just don't get to the TV as much as as I should. But you know, it's just once once you you start throwing out these names and all that, it just doesn't feel like you know a big this 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 isn't the Super Bowl that it should be. Yeah, like it's like yeah, like like, like I mentioned earlier, it's it's or it's hard to like really believe that these guys are loyal to a brand that they just came to. Like not, right. not like a month <laughs> ago. Yeah, and like, like every every member of Team Raw except for Keith Lee came over to Smack or was on SmackDown like not that long ago. Like literally every the other four guys except for Keith Lee were all on SmackDown before the draft. Right, right. The only camaraderie, the only brand loyalty would be the people in NXT because they're the they're they're the young they're the young upcomers. Mm-hmm. They're they're hungry. They're looking for a spot. They've got each other's back. You know, all high tide raises all ships, and all that. I just it it would work for NXT against everyone else. But like like you said, I guess it just with 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 the Carino, it just doesn't. It just doesn't yeah. happen. Yeah, no. Exactly. Every, every time they mention like the Survivor Series and all that, I just remember back to those first five survivor series back then when when the wwf and i'm saying it correctly this time it it, there was just so many gimmicky characters Mm -hmm. and i remember the the uh promotional interviews it's just team this guy against team this guy and when you lined up all the characters four or five in a row the big boss man, Tatanka, the million dollar man, Akeem. It's all like, when did the village people join <laughs> join the WWF? <laughs> because that, that's what the that's what they all look like. Yeah, you know, you know, you're looking at all these characters. You expect them to break out into YMCA. <laughs> you know, it's just like. Yeah, <laughs> I'm serious, man. Go back, go on the network. I'm sure there's. Old Survivor Series, oh, there know, is. back back in the late '80s and all that. Go back, and with that in mind, with that in mind, watch some old Survivor Series. <laughs> he said, "Trust me, the next day you're going to be walking around YMCA." No, it's already stuck in my head. Thank you. So that was the end of the matches. Uh, for this oh, game. yes, yes. The Undertaker tribute. Yeah, the, his, his uh, final farewell, they were calling it. Oh, okay, okay. So, what exactly happened with the Undertaker tribute? Uh, really, all that, like, what happened was is that they had a bunch of, like, legends and or actually, the, the only they had a bunch of guys come down to the ring to uh, like I guess guys that Undertaker was friends with and guys that he had faced like so, uh, an entire assortment of guys like Shawn Michaels, Mick Foley, Big Show, 
uh, the Godwins even came out. Both. Oh wow! Uh, uh, yeah, Savio Vega, uh, the Godfather. Uh, who else? Uh, Kevin Nash, uh, Triple H. Yeah. Uh, Rikishi Kane. Oh, yeah. Rikishi Kane. Yeah, Kane was the only one in costume. Everyone else was wearing suits, <laughs> <laughs> which I thought was kind of funny. Maybe like they, they like, I, I can't help but get the impression that they like sent Kane a memo just to say come in fu- come in full gear, <laughs> and then he did, mm-hmm. and then everybody else was like wearing sport coats and stuff. <laughs> but he probably got there, and he was like, "Son of a bitch." One last rib. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, but then uh, after that, they showed like a, a video package of like of um, highlights of Undertaker's career throughout the years, like his debut and uh, the, the Ministry of Darkness thing and the Biker Taker thing and then his big comeback, uh, turning back into the Dead Man uh, at WrestleMania 20 and like so on and so forth. And then after that... It was really weird because all the people, uh, all the people that had come down to the ring, were gone. <laughs> like, I I didn't understand it. They were all gone, every single one of them. Like, what do you Which, mean? Like, they just weren't there. They weren't uh, in the ring anymore. Like, before they started the video package, they were all standing in the ring. All these guys who Undertaker had history with, okay. and then. They showed the video package, and then it came back to the ring, and then Vince McMahon was just standing in the ring, and all the other guys were gone. <laughs> well, okay, well that suits. I guess that suits, suits suits the character because you know the lights would go out, and he Undertaker yeah. would appear, or, yeah. or whatever. I guess everyone just ran under the ring, and I, yeah, I, I, I suppose so. But uh, but yeah, Vince McMahon just kind of gave like a short little speech, and uh, he actually even said like. I was I kind of caught me off guard. He said, like, through like throughout the like the WWF and the WWE, Undertaker has been been like a influential figure. And I like mm-hmm. when, when he when he said he he like paused. He's like the WWF, and I was like, oh, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Vince, Vince dropped the F, guys. Yeah. <laughs> I was I got, like, wait a minute. Yeah, I was I was like joking around, like, or me and me, like me and uh, our former host Mike Mason watched uh, watched the show together over video chat, and uh, and we were kind of joking. We were just like, "Oh, the panda bears are going to come after him now." Mm-hmm. <laughs> come the panda bears with chairs. Yeah, we're just gonna be a guy. I still want to find that shirt so bad. That shirt's great. <laughs> oh, but I, I, yeah, I can just imagine just some like. Some some guy in a panda suit just standing outside the Amway Center just serves Vince McMahon a subpoena. But <laughs> <laughs> hey, hits him with a chair first. Yeah. No. <laughs> I'm, I'm surprised AEW has, and we should, once again I shouldn't be putting this out into the wrestling universe. But I'm I'm surprised like a panda bear hasn't like ran into the ring and schmuck someone with a chair on AEW or something. <laughs> this isn't Japan. It's happened. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So Sammy Guevara used to wear a used to wear a panda bear headpiece. Oh, okay. In Japan yeah. they had a dude in a giant inflatable panda suit wrecking people. Yeah, they like it they, was they really funny. Wrecked. I gotta send you guys videos. It's great. 
Yeah, he was like an actual wrestler there. He was just like a, a bear, wasn't he? Like, I forget yeah. his name. Yeah, just in a giant, like, 10-foot inflatable panda suit. <laughs> Jesus Christ. And the guys would run at him, and he would just headbutt them, and then they would, like, die. It was fantastic. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Y M C A. Right, that's, that's yep. there. There you are. <laughs> okay. Okay. Um. Anyway, yeah. When when Vince McMahon wrapped up his little speech, he uh, introduced the Undertaker, and then the Undertaker came out to his to his music. Actually, they. They play, initially they played his music on Tesla coils at first, which I thought was kind of cool. I don't know if you know what those are, but if you yeah, don't. I was going to say you're going to have to like you're you're the techno gizmo music guy. You got to let us in on this. Okay, well I don't know. I don't really have time to explain it right now, but oh, okay, it's like <laughs> you like creating we'll notes for a while. <laughs> yeah, essentially it's like creating note like musical notes by using lightning. That's what these things were doing. Oh, yeah. okay. That's cool. It was pretty appropriate. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, but uh, yeah, so they, they played his theme on that for a little bit and then they actually played his theme and he actually came out doing a slow walk to the ring as he, as he does. So he gets in the ring. McMahon's, McMahon's already gone, thankfully. Mm-hmm. And yeah, so he just, Undertaker stood in the ring, like the the lights never came up, nothing. And they had like the the piped in crowd chants, like saying "Thank you, Taker" or "Undertaker" or whatever. And it was like a little weird, but it was kind of you could tell the Undertaker was kind of getting choked up, like he's trying to stay in character. But mm-hmm. but, Mark, but Mark Calloway was trying to keep it down and be like, "It's like you just got to do this one time, <laughs> <laughs> one time, and then at the yeah. Hall of Fame, Hall of Fame speech, cry." That's <laughs> right. Yeah, I, I, I can kayfabe it back. Yeah, yeah. I can break kayfabe then. When that gets announced, when he's in the Hall of Fame, I don't give a shit. I'm there. I don't care. Like, I'm going. <laughs> I need to be well, there I, for that. Yeah, I guess that would mm-hmm. that would be something to, worth, worth it to make the trip. But uh, mm-hmm. Even if I just go for the Hall of Fame, it's fine. Mm-hmm. I need to see Tager's Hall of Fame speech. But... Uh, but yeah, um, basically all Undertaker said was like, after 30 years of taking souls, and it's now time for the Undertaker to rest in peace. And then that, that was pretty much all he said. Well, that makes yeah. sense. That makes sense. That, that's and then the he perfect. did his like, yeah, he did his thing voice. where he raises his hand in the air. And then they did the, a hologram of Paul Bear showed up in the ring, which was really cool. Yeah. I don't oh. know. Okay. That's good. Yeah. Right on. Right on. Yeah. Excellent. Excellent. It was a bit of an emotional moment when he was yeah, he was he was doing his pose and his music was playing and all the thunder and lightning was going off and then yeah, Paul Bearer yeah, the Paul Bearer hologram came on and of course they had to like put in a they had to throw in a voice of Paul Bearer going, Oh yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that that, that that got a tear. I'm like, oh shit. Yeah. <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> yep. Yeah. And then, then he just, yeah, he got out of the ring, walked up the ramp and stopped at the top of the stage, did that raised one arm and then just, and then continued walking, walked into the, walked through the curtain and that's it. <laughs> that, that, was was it. That, was, that was the Undertaker's okay. farewell. 
Okay, is this is this it? Do you trust that this is it, or is this a Terry Funk retirement, or is this like what exactly? <laughs> like it's it's really hard to say. Like it felt final, like mm-hmm. it really did. But again, like was- in front of the fans, of course it'll be Hall of Fame. Then he'll do his probably his final goodbye, saying goodbye to actually all the people there, and then. By Taker. Yeah, but like they, I think they like they felt that they had to do it like here and now because like it was the Survivor Series. Yeah, yeah, yeah like his 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 D butt was Survivor Series nineteen ninety. Yeah, and it was right. the same day, November twenty second. Wow! Holy shit! So. Well, there you go. They that's, yeah, so they kind of had to do it. Right, right. Which this is perfect. No, no, this is exactly the way I would book, you know, Undertaker's last ride or whatever you want to call it or whatever. Like, no, yes. it's the perfect way to go out um, as, as long as it sticks. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, if, if he shows up at, you know, when there's when there's an audience, you know, again and all that, when he shows up. You know, just at WrestleMania and all that, and all of this was for naught. Then, as an Undertaker fan, not that I am or anything, but just as an Undertaker fan, uh, an, an Undertaker fan would be kind of annoyed. Yeah, you know, it's, it's it's like, well, you you retired. We gave you this big send off. I literally shed a tear for you. You know, and if you just wanna. You know, basically. Well, it's like, look how many people cried when Roman beat him at Mania and he put the coat and jacket down. I did. <laughs> like, yeah. That, hey. that was that, that was a little, like, different, too, because that was, like, unexpected. Like, you didn't, they didn't announce it or anything prior yeah, to. Yeah, just kind of took the jacket and the hat and gloves off and just left them in the ring. And then everyone's like, oh, fuck. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> they were playing with you. They were playing yeah. It had the match not have been so bad that Undertaker had to re- felt he had to redeem himself. That very well may have been the last we saw of him, but yeah, mm-hmm. it wasn't to be. Fair but enough. Yeah, fair it, enough. It and... Who knows? Because like R- Ric Flair had that big farewell thing in uh, 2008, <laughs> and then a month well, later showed up in TNA. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, he that's all his money. Because yeah. well that that's it exact no that is bang on dude because he was, yeah he's styled and profiled and five thousand dollar watches and twenty thousand dollar robes and all the wine woman and song and all that and that was real <laughs> okay yeah, so he, uh, he styled and profiled and then filed for bankruptcy <laughs> that's right that's right yeah yeah <laughs> so this year's Survivor Series. Horns, horns up, horns down, horns in the middle. I would give it a horns in the middle. Like the the matches were fairly decent, but like obviously there's zero storyline progression going on with any of them. So yeah, it's hard to hard to invest into any of the matches really. So yeah, I would say horns in the middle just for match quality. Fair enough. Yeah, what about you, dude? Horns in the middle. middle? Yeah. 
Fair enough, fair enough. Um, and of course, a little later on, um, there's going to be a lot of Undertaker talk. And I know you guys have a greater connection to that that man, that, the character, the man, the myth, the legend, more than I do. So I'm actually really looking forward to it. But I'm kind of, even more so, I'm kind of looking forward right now to our second interview ducky had the good fortune of talking to this gentleman and wrestling is it's not just what you see in the ring it's a presentation it's mm-hmm. it's, it, it's a cons- it's a concerted effort by a group of guys everyone from the original booker to the guy that sweeps the ring at the end of the night and helps bring down the ring and all that. And everybody has a story. Unfortunately, it just, it seems like what goes on in the ring, the, the quote unquote talent. Okay. Seems to take the majority of the time and attention. And sometimes that time and attention is taken away from people that are giving their all to the end product. One of those, some of those people, you know, that give their all, and we might even take them for granted, are ring announcers. For sure. You know, <laughs> you know if we want to make this a, a presentation like it's somewhat of a sport... You know, you need the PA guy. You need someone to introduce, you know, the contestants Mm -hmm. and all that. And sometimes it's an art form all its own. And sometimes these characters, these, these, sorry, these, you know, what you think is a task just in the background You know, sometimes they can develop a character all of their own and, you know, to the point where they're no longer just a background character making white noise, but actually contributing to the whole product up front. You know, I I think it's definitely a uh, it's it's something that's underappreciated and underrated. You know, um, did you are are there any in any particular um, ring announcers that come to mind over, over the years that you really dug their work? Well, obviously, I think the three of us can mutually agree on Howard Finkel. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. The Fink was um, they say like Tony Schiavone, Jim Ross, the voice of your childhood. Mm-hmm. You know what? Finkel kind of predates for me. Finkel kind of predates um, Shivani and Ross because I, you know, obviously I discovered the WWF back then. I'm saying it correctly this time. <laughs> I discovered the WWF with the expansion, with the national expansion, the whole Hulk, the whole Hulk, Hulkamania, and all that. So that's that was my first exposure to 
the think the think as well yeah so he actually predates a lot of these so-called voices of our childhood for myself as well and he he went on to have quite the storied career as well like he went all the way up until okay so you guys got to help me out with this well, he 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 was a CM Punk's personal ring announcer in 2013 i remember that <laughs> okay yeah okay see now that's that's taking it beyond okay I'm, okay you gotta remind me was he doing like did they have another ring announcer replace him and then he came out just to handle cm punk well he yeah he he had been retired from full-time ring announcing for quite some time at that point but oh, okay they, they had uh they had brought him back just as CM Punk. Like this is when CM Punk was like doing that whole thing where he's making a bunch of personal demands. And one of his personal demands was to have Howard Finkel be his personal ring announcer. So that's exactly mm-hmm. what they did. Right. Right. Which was a, it was, they brought a real life situation to the, the masses. Screen. Yeah. yeah. To, to the screen it went it went from a shoot to you know to uh, to a gimmick and all that which works yeah yeah and of course the fink he was so like you knew he like his voice stood out of course yeah you know it's it it's like a vocalist in in a in a rock band okay no yeah. one else sounds like mick jagger no <laughs> but yeah, no one sounds like the Fink. Like no one else sounds like the Fink. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And like the Fink had this way of just like making people feel like larger than life superstars when he introduced them when coming down to the ring. Mm-hmm. Definitely, yeah, definitely. He made, he made you care about them, and that's exactly what. Uh, every ring announcer should aspire to do like look what in uh, nowadays in uh in AEW like what Justin Roberts is doing every time he introduces uh John Moxley he like extends that his name out <laughs> so long he does what he did for John Cena oh pretty much but i think even longer doesn't he yeah it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a yeah it's a little bit longer but but yeah like stuff like that. and even uh, what uh Tony Schimmel did for uh, for Edge, like when when he would introduce him as the the rated R superstar, <laughs> <laughs> and nobody and nobody could do it as good as that. But, no, 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 no. Yeah, and there's been many ring announcers over the years who had their own like their own uh, what do you what would you call it? Their own like little quirks or like yeah. things it, that they would do. Yeah, yeah, their their own style, their own little idiosyncrasies, their own little, their own little ways of doing things. Yeah, like Fink, Fink's big thing that everybody loved was when someone would win a title and he would do the and new. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, it's it's a quality that's like yeah, you have to have to be to be able to introduce these guys, you got to like hype them up. Like they're the biggest deal in the entire universe. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and yeah, Ducky, you had the, uh, the privilege of speaking with a pretty well, well-known ring announcer yourself just uh, not too long ago. 
Yep. For, so, yeah. for everyone who doesn't know, uh, recently I spoke to CZW, ICW, former Ring of Honor, and Dragon Gate USA common, uh, ring announcer Larry Legend. Right on. Right on. Okay. Excellent. Excellent. That kind of works in everything. Um, okay. Tell us a little bit about Mr. Legend because once it, what, what, once again, like pro- probably myself, I've probably seen his work and all that, but it's just it's I'm trying to place him and what he does and all that. So you're going you might have to refresh some of our listeners with him. Uh, if no one knows, if anything, go back and watch any CZW event from, oh, crap, when did he start in CZW? At the moment, I'm drawing a blank of when he started. But I'm going to say go back the last, like, six years, even though I think he's been there longer than that now. But just the commentary, the ring announcer, you can just tell, just... By his voice. He's just got that voice where you know who it is instantly, like Howard Finkel did. Uh-huh. Like, you don't even need to see him. Just like, <laughs> oh, the camera's pointing at the entranceway, and on the way to the ring, it's like, oh, that's Larry. Or, oh, that's Howard Finkel. Yeah. So, that's all. He's just got one of those voices where you know it's like, oh, it's this guy. Cool. <laughs> yeah, right oh. on. Right on, right on. Excellent, excellent. Okay, well, um, you're he's also currently the doing the commentary in ICW. And okay. all of you know that we get together all every once in a while and watch the deathmatch <laughs> stuff, and he's the commentator on those. Oh, so, the, the ring. Yeah. yeah, the ring announcer. I, I get those two mixed up. Commentators, ring announcers mixed up all the time. They're all, they're, so, they all fall under the announcer umbrella, I guess. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, anyway, without further ado, I guess here's Ducky's interview with Larry Legend. Current Combat Zone Wrestling and ICW Wrestling Ring Announcer and former Ring of Honor Ring Announcer, Larry Legend. It is good to have you on the show after all these years of watching you Combat Zone and currently in ICW. Thank you for having me. It's been a wild ride. Um, the past close to 18 years for me now being an announcer and a presenter in the world of professional wrestling. And um, it's very humbling uh, to have folks like you reach out to me to feature me as a guest to talk about my career to date. So thank you so much for having me. And it's an honor uh, to be here speaking with you now. You're welcome. We did some digging as well to see what other stuff you have done in your career. And it says you have done some kickboxing promotions as well. Uh, yes, indeed. I, I have done uh, a lot of work for a, a, an entity called the WKA, the World Kickboxing Organization. I'm sorry, World Kickboxing Association, uh, the WKA. And uh, they are a sanctioning body that is pivotal in making sure that a lot of kickboxing or MMA or uh, BJJ shows are able to happen as a go-between between the uh, the state sanctioning body uh, or the state mm. athletic commission to ensure the shows can be insured for the athletes and the spectators and make sure that all building codes are being adhered to. So I've worked for the WKA. I've done shows for them since about 2010 or 2011. Uh, I first started with a 
organization called the Professional Kickboxing Federation, the PKF. And then eventually I got introduced to the WKA folks. And um, I've been doing work for the WKA now for, gosh, I guess 20, that's like almost 11 years, maybe 12 years close to. So yeah, I've done a lot of kickboxing shows, a lot of Muay Thai shows, shows in Madison Square Garden, uh, boxing shows, um, um, all, all through my time with wrestling, professional wrestling for me to do other types of combat sports announcing. Well, that's really cool that you can get other jobs, other places as well, besides professional wrestling doing the ring announcing. Yeah, well, I mean, honestly, I kind of consider myself an MC or a master of ceremonies. Okay. Um, so that doesn't limit itself just to uh, announcing competitors. I can you know, you mentioned that I'm, I'm a former Ring of Honor ring announcer. I did announce some events at Ring of Honor, but more than that, I was a live events host. So as people would come into the building, I would be letting them know that you can meet the Young Bucks upstairs. You can meet Cody Rhodes down here. Participate in the big Ring of Honor raffle. Head on over to Ring of Honor Pro Shop. Get some of the latest merch. And that's not necessarily announcing as much as it's just kind of uh, advertising. Uh, I, I like to think of myself as like a living, breathing commercial um, for the the action that you're seeing, the mm -hmm. juicy hot dogs or or whatever have you. Um, and um, yeah, it's it's been like I said, a wild ride these past 18 years. And I'm looking forward to growing even further and doing more interviews with you know podcasts all over the country and talking a little bit about who it is that I am and and the legacy that I've uh, I've carved for myself. That's really good. Hopefully we get to see you other places as well. And also, we were also wondering, where did the Larry Legend name come from? Ah, it's a great question. So um, I think around 2004, 2005, John Legend, uh, the, the multi-Grammy winning, Grammy Award winning vocalist, um, he first burst onto the scene with a song called Ordinary People. And um, at the time that John Legend released his first CD, I was working for Starbucks Coffee. Um, and um, Starbucks was the first like store that you could buy the John Legend CD from. And being that it was the first store that you could buy the John Legend CD from, we, we played it. We played it extensively. And um, I, I love that R&B vibe, that soul vibe that John Legend brings to his his music, and it was very different at the time. Again, we're talking 2004, 2005, Starbucks. It's very different at the time to hear that kind of music. So while I was working there, whenever things would get really, really hectic or really, really uh, high volume, stressful, I would dash into the back of the Starbucks restaurant and I would put the John Legend CD on. And um, lo and behold, that smooth R&B soul sounding music would make everyone a little bit more mellow and it would make the days a little bit more chill. And um, I kind of gained the nickname because I was always running to the back to put the John Legend CD on, Larry Legend. And um, I was like, wow, that that's a great, like, kind of an homage to John Legend, you know, because mm -hmm. I mean, we, I, I know personally that that's not John Legend's given name. That's not what he was born as, but he's taken on that name, kind of like, you know, a Rick Ross or a Pistol Pete. He's taken yeah. on the name John Legend because he always delivers legendary vocals. 
So with me being an announcer and wrestling at the time, I only worked for one company called uh, um, Maryland Championship Wrestling, and I was Larry Kennedy Phillips. That was my name. My original name was Larry Kennedy Phillips, and I was a bad guy announcer. Um, eventually, a few years later, I debuted for CZW as their full-time announcer, and I introduced myself to the crowd as Larry Legend. And um, the crowd was kind of like looking at themselves like, who the F is this guy, Larry Legend? Like, where's the old guy? What's he doing here, you know? Um, but year after year, my legacy has just grown and grown and grown to the point that now I'm doing podcasts with you and talking about how the name Larry Legend even came to be. That's an interesting story, like uh, getting a nickname from work at Starbucks. Yeah. That's pretty cool. Yeah, well, John Legend has a lot to do with it. If he never would have followed his passion to the point that he would be a major recording artist, Starbucks wouldn't play his music, and I would have never even heard of the name John Legend. So uh, if you're listening to this, which I, I doubt it's going to come across, but if you are, thank you, John Legend, for inspiring me to be legendary with you. It, you were also in the movie The Wrestler. Did you want to talk about that? Sure. That's um. That's all thanks to CZW. Um, just like the name Larry Legend. Um, when I accepted the role of CZW announcer, the first show was not a very good show for me because you know I had heard about CZW and I'd been there a few times and I remember they were very violent and really like nothing else you'd ever seen. Um, so. I figured for my debut, I was going to give them kind of like a young, hip, urban version of Larry, you know? So my first CZW show, um, I come out and I'm wearing like regular, pretty fly clothes, fly New York fashion for the time. Like I had like a leather bomber bomber with the parka, the fur parka around it and some like really crispy, skinny jeans and nice sneakers, but... That wasn't what CZW was looking for in a ring announcer. Um, and uh, Zandig, in particular, told me, the next time I see you in this building, you better have a suit. You know, and uh, you know, it was like my first day of work, and the boss is telling me that. So I went out and I got a suit at, for the second CZW show. I didn't even know this, but for the second CZW show, it was the night that they were filming the few scenes for The Wrestler. Um, and uh, again... I, I got the suit, good thing for me, because if I hadn't had the suit, they probably wouldn't have featured me in the film as much as they did. Uh, but I had the suit, and um, they asked me on that night, hey, we don't have an announcer, would you mind doing vocals for a few scenes in the show? I mean, in the movie. And I was like, well, am I going to get credited? You know, I said, am I going to get credited in the movie? And they said, uh, we'll see what we can do. What would you want to be credited as if we can get you, you know, credits for this movie? And I was like, well, Larry Legend. Um, now, if you watch The Wrestler, the first thing that you hear in that movie is, is my voice um, doing the introduction. And um, if you wait till the end and you watch the credits, I'm the third credit in the cast. I'm the third credit from the bottom. EZW announcer, Larry Legend. So I just kind of stumbled into it. CZW reached out to me to be their announcer one month before 20th Century Fox's major motion picture Golden Globe Award winning and Academy Award nominated The Wrestler filmed uh, a few scenes with Butcher and, and Mickey Work at the legendary 2300 Arena. And um, because I had debuted a month before, 
and called myself Larry Legend. I subsequently, after filming and adding my voice to that movie, when they asked me what I wanted to be credited as, I said Larry Legend. So that's kind of like a way that I cemented my legacy is Larry Legend. You can't take that movie role away from me. You can't take my name out of the credits um, because I helped make it a movie and I did it mm-hmm. as Larry Legend. So yeah, it was a, that was a, that was an amazing milestone for me. And I didn't even realize it back in 2008 when we were filming it. I'm going to have to go back and watch that movie again. I, it's been like five years since I've watched that movie. Well, it's sad. It's sad at this point. Yeah. You know, it's like, you know, Darren Aronofsky always takes you on a roller coaster of emotion. So it's not really like a a movie you want to revisit as much. At this point, I like watching it to notice Papadon. Oh, there's Papadon. There's DJ Hyde. There's Monster Mm -hmm. Mac. Like all of my, my, you know, there were a lot of wrestlers that made the the background scenery of those scenes. So I like watching it just to see all my friends um, getting a little cameo time in in the film. Yeah, that's really cool as well. I completely forgot there was a shot with DJ in it. Oh, yeah. Well, there, 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 there are a few wrestling scenes, and the wrestling scenes are all very authentic because they use real wrestlers, real wrestling ring announcers, and mm-hmm. just told us, basically, go about your business, and we're going to film around you our scenes. And, uh, you know, it was, it, that's what makes that movie magical, if you ask me. It's a lot of real, it's a lot of real life. Uh, in that movie, mixed with all the acting and the and the story of it all, yeah, yeah, that's really cool about it because you can tell there's other wrestling movies that made, and you can tell just no one there is actually a wrestler, right? So seeing like the CZW locker room in that was really cool. yeah, yeah, brain damage in there, R.I.P. Brain damage. He has a you know you see him in the background going over stuff. Of course, Necro was a, was like the star of it, you know. So yeah, yeah. So yeah, that was that was great, and I I, I look back on that fondly, and uh, love going on to IMDb and typing in Larry Legend and seeing not only that as a credit, but a lot of other things. There are a lot of other things on Internet Movie Database that I've um, been credited as doing that I didn't even realize were were like added to IMDb. But I have like you know over thirty credits now as Larry Legends, and that all started with CZW. Yeah, when we were doing some digging for this interview. I didn't realize they added wrestling shows to IMDb. So there's yeah, like 30 uh, plus like CZW shows that you've done. And it's just like, when did they add the wrestling shows to IMDb? So, you know, um, in, in wrestling, there's always the promoter. There's always the wrestlers. There's always the refs, the ring announcer. Um, but behind the scenes, there's always like kind of an administrative staff. Yeah. And um, those are the people that kind of like go on YouTube every day no one is like showing full matches or full CZW shows. But in addition to that, they work very hard to kind of like copyright CZW's like material mm-hmm. by like attaching it to something like Internet Movie Database so that there's a whole CZW section with like CZW works in it. And fortunately, I, I was the announcer for so many shows. So I'm on there multiple times. Yeah, because on there, there's, well, Combat Zone, of course, Ring of Honor, Dragon Gate. What was it like working for Dragon Gate? Because that promotion, Dragon Gate USA hasn't been around for, oh, it's been years now. It was very hard working for Dragon Gate USA because at the time that I was working for Dragon Gate, I did not realize who Gabe was. 
like Gabe Sapolsky, the now works for WWE, former mm-hmm. Ring of Honor uh, promoter or booker. I didn't realize who he was. So I really didn't realize who I was working for and the types of demands that, that he had. He's a very, he's a very hard, hard-nosed promoter, um, wants it a very specific way and has been known to kind of yell when it's not that way. Mm-hmm. So um, as a young announcer, because when I was with Dragon Gate, it was like 2010, 2011. I had only known up until that point, MCW, CZW, and ICW. And with ICW, I had just been given a few tryouts. I wasn't really their full-time announcer at this point. So I only knew like a few promotions. And out of all the promotions I'd worked for, I never had anyone like kind of yell and shout and flip out like Gabe. Um, so my time there was a little... A little kind of like, you know, with every job you have, there's a moment where you're like, I don't think I'm cut out for this. I don't, yep. think I, I don't really think that I'm going to last doing this. Working for Dragon Gate and working for Gabe was one of the one times in my career that I kind of like, I remember just going to the back and being like, what are you doing? Like, this isn't a lot of money. You're all the way in Burlington, North Carolina. You, none of your friends are around you besides maybe Rich Swan and, you know, A.R. Fox and... Is this really worth it? But you go to that IMDb and there's Mercury Rising and Open the Freedom or Open the Southern Gate. There, there are a couple different events that I did for Dragon Gate that are that I got credit for. And that's like, didn't realize it at the time. But it, to me, that's definitely worth it. Certainly wasn't a, a, a thousands of dollars to make those trips. And it was a grueling trip. We drove from New York. Uh, down to North Carolina and then from North Carolina to Atlanta um, and then back from Atlanta to New York. It was a grueling trip, but that's a cool feature to my legacy that you can go to IMDb and see me credited as CZW announcer, ROH announcer, Dragon Gate announcer. I'm trying to get some of my Beyond Wrestling credits up there because I've done quite a few shows for Beyond and they're up there. They're up there too, but I'm not sure if I'm as credited with my Beyond appearances. I never knew Gabe Sapolsky ran Dragon Gate. I didn't know who the promoter was for that. Oh, yeah, yeah. So, um, I mean, not to really go off on too much of a tangent, but Gabe was the promoter of ROH during, like, the CM Punk days, the Samoa Joe, the Carino days. He was the promoter. And then something happened, and they told him they didn't need him anymore. Like, they were going to go in a different direction, so his services were no longer needed. And Gabe was like, okay, guys, F you. I'm going to go start my own deal. And that's when he got linked with SEMA and uh, Sal and Dragon Gate USA was born. But yeah, Gabe was the uh, evolved, you know, current WWE, you know, backstage official, NXT official. Um, Gabe Sapolsky, he was the he was the brains behind Dragon Gate. Hmm. Well, you learn something new every day. Yeah. <laughs> Did not know that. Uh, with these. What do you think of all these crazy death matches? Like, because you said when you started CZW, you didn't know, like, what it was like with, like, how violent it was getting at the time. Yeah. When they were more violent than they are now. They hardly exist now. I mean, CZW yeah. hasn't run since March. But um, I I think that um the, the, um, the violence uh, that is in deathmatch wrestling is, uh, is very superficial um because you're instantly going to see the effects of the moves with the blood Mm -hmm. um and blood 
is a tactic that sometimes can heighten the emotion when used correctly. I feel that the emotion is already heightened from the beginning of a deathmatch show because you know it's just going to get more and more bloody and yeah. more and more violent um, from, from the onset. So I, I love deathmatch wrestling. I feel that in a lot of ways it's the realest wrestling that's out there uh, because, like, if you think about these guys, sure, they're doing a, a show, um, but they got to take care of one another. And mm -hmm. it's almost like you have to take the most care of your opponent when you're powerbombing them through a pane of glass or, yeah. you know, jumping off the top of a with a Canadian destroyer or whatnot. You know, you have to take the most care of them. So um, I love deathmatch wrestling. And um, just between everybody who is watching this, I will tell you that in all walks of life that I've had, deathmatch wrestlers are the sweetest, kindest, softest and i don't mean soft like that they're like they're punks i mean softest is in they are just the kindest men that you could ever hope to meet um and that says a lot about the culture because i mean you take you know standard wrestling and i met a lot of dicks pardon the expression over the years people that just went out of their way to be cruel to me or cruel to someone else or just plain cruel Mm -hmm. You really don't see that in deathmatch wrestling as much. So that's another reason that, as crazy as it is, I also think it's very special and it's it's really what's for me. That's good, yeah, too, because I've I've met a few wrestlers working with um, ring setup for CWE here sometimes, okay. and I've met like Chris Hero and Chris Masters, and sure, just those guys are stupid chill as well, just like. Yeah seeing them on TV all the time and then meeting them. And then they're just like the most chill person. And you're talking to them for like an hour, two hours. Like it's nothing. It's just like, this is cool. Like never thought yeah. this would happen. Oh yeah. Yeah. So don't judge a book by its cover. As violent as deathmatch wrestling is, I can't think of a bigger sweetheart than Schlack. Yeah. Yeah. We want to, we want to get Schlack on too. Cause he's, he seems like an interesting character. That's for sure. With like all his music and his wrestling career, like yeah, we definitely we're in talks with him right now, actually, to try and. Funny side story about Schlack. I actually did a drop for one of his Eat the Turnbuckle early offerings before he was a wrestler. May have been before he was training to be a wrestler. He contacted me, or one of his bandmates contacted me about my voice and about how they loved it so much, and asked if I could do a drop for one of their um, albums and. Um, yeah, I did, and uh, it's legendary. Um, I'll have to link you to it if you never heard it. Okay, yeah, I, I'd like to hear it. It's It's been a, a little bit since I've listened to Eat the Turnbuckle. But yeah, yeah, I'd love to hear that drop on it. Oh yeah, it's legendary, bro. <laughs> and like, have you ever been in harm's way What at these deathmatch shows? Like, have you ever like been hit with like a piece of flying glass or... Yeah, actually, just recently, I kind of suffered my first injury, my first kind of shrapnel injury. Well, one time I fell off the ring. One time there was a match between Danny Havoc and Lucky 13, and as I was getting off the ring apron, my foot got caught in the skirt, the CZW yeah. skirt, and I, I fell straight down onto the ground and destroyed my iPad and cut my hand up, but nothing too bad. Um, but just recently, a deathmatch drive-in two which happened on the 4th of July, I got really close to the ring for the match Dom Guarini versus Tuan Tucker. 
because I wanted to get footage for my Instagram. So the people yeah. who were, you know, following me on Instagram could see some cool things. And um, I think Dom hit Twan with a fluorescent light tube and it just went right into my, uh, right into my forehead. And it was, I was bleeding. I'll send you a picture of that too. Cause one photographer got a camera stuck right in my face and was like, let me, let me get a shot of that Larry. And um bleeding all over the place. But uh, yeah, that has happened. But typically I try to stay far away from the action or I try yeah. to pick my spots when I think like, oh, a big crescendo is going to happen um, and be kind of behind a photographer so that I'm protected. But one time I have been cut up, not terribly, but was pretty close to my eye. Yeah. You just go to film during a big spot. Just put your arm up. You're like, uh-oh, just yeah. in case. Well, 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 a lot of the times what I'll do is I'll squat down by the apron I'll, yeah. get, I'll get the camera set to where I want. And then when I see the big things about to happen, I actually will duck down underneath the apron, leave my camera there filming and hope that by the grace of God, you know, whatever happened, the action was captured right in the center and look at it. And nine times out of 10, I get that shit. That's really good. You don't, you don't want to risk losing an eye from a piece of flying, flying glass. Well, thank God it hasn't happened so far. And, um, July 4th was a little reminder, Larry. Don't get too close to the fire. You might just might get burnt. Yep. That is true. With ICW, I've I've talked to Danny Demento as well, and I've been trying to get him on the future. What's it like working for ICW? Uh, ICW is the first company that actually put my name on a poster. Like, you know how it's like Homicide versus Red, Danny Demento versus Dan Moth. Um, you know, whatever the different show matches are going to be. And then there's like Grim Reefer, Prince Nana, Papa Don. ICW back in 2010 was the first company to put Larry Legend and more exclamation point. Um, so working with ICW has been one of the most grat gratifying experiences ever because ICW and ICW is Danny DeMonto. He always has been kind of instrumental behind the scenes with who's getting booked and how the shows are going to be, what they're called. Mm -hmm. He's always, always, always believed in me and always, always believed that I'm the best in the business today. So it has been nothing but a dream come true to do shows for ICW since 2010. For 10 years now, I've been doing shows with ICW and I'm not, I'm not stopping and because of that loyalty and that legacy, I've now been to Tampa and, you know, Port Ritchie, announced Ming, legendary Haku. You know, um, I, I, it's just it's just been very gratifying to be with a company because uh, a lot of companies have shown me the door over the years. Obviously, I no longer work with Ring of Honor, um, which wasn't very gratifying. And it also wasn't very gratifying to see like um, other announcers after me kind of get an opportunity uh, because the writing on the wall there says, well, you just weren't good enough uh, to hack it with us. So go back to CZW. So it's very gratifying to know that for over 10 years, there's been a company like ICW that has always, always, always co-signed, believed in me and been an advocate of my growth as an announcer in, in the world of professional wrestling. So gratifying is the best way that I can describe working for ICW. Yeah, that's probably one of my favorite promotions going at the moment. Because I prefer the independence over the big, over like WWE and Impact, of course. Because it's just, it's more entertaining to me. Just because you got guys who 
Like, because WWE would be like, oh, go out for five minutes and only do this. Yeah. But in the but, independent leagues, they actually care about their wrestlers. Well, what, what, oh, it, so here's what it is. It's not that it's not that ICW or CZW or ROH cares about their wrestlers more. It's the amount of freedom, the amount of freedom that they give the wrestlers to do the promo the way that they want to do it, to do the match that they want the way that they want to do it. Mm-hmm. There's there's less micromanaging of, okay, Larry, say it like this. Whereas with WWE or some of the bigs, it's like, if you don't say it this way, oh, we got to do it again. We need you to say it this way. Whereas when you do it from the heart, a lot of the times the people feel it more. It's more yeah. real when it's coming from the heart. When John Wayne Murdoch is cutting a promo after a 60-minute Iron Man match, you know he's tired. He don't want to have to remember no damn lines. He wants to speak from his heart. So I wouldn't necessarily say that ICW cares more as much as they just give more freedom and the indies gives more freedom to freestyle, which is what they used to do back in the day. And to Mm -hmm. me, that makes the indies more real. It makes it more real than WWE or the bigs. And that's what I am. I like that real. I don't like no phony. Yeah. Yeah, the indies are definitely more real. More realistic for sure. Yeah. Uh, now, listen, I hate to do this, but I only got about 10% of my battery here and uh, I'm not plugged in. So um, it, it, I, I'm not trying to wrap us up or anything. Like, yeah. don't let me be in control of this, but <laughs> I, I'm kind of, my, my time is a little limited. But continue. What, what else did you want to talk about? Uh, what is it like watching that 60 minute Iron Man death match from last weekend in Tampa, Florida? What was that like just being there witnessing this? Because watching it on independent wrestling TV was awesome. But like, what was it like being there live for like a first ever thing like this? Well, I guess um, I'm going to say to you what my my mentor Ruckus um, told me. Um. You know, if you just treat every show uh, with the same amount of gravity, then you kind of don't get um, nervous or or jumbled up or kind of like um, distracted. So basically what he told me was the same way that you approach a show at 2300 Arena is the same way that you should approach a show at Madison Square Garden. Even though in 2300 Arena, you're probably in front of 150, 200 people at most. And in Madison Square Garden, you're in front of 1,400 people. If you approach the Madison Square Garden show with the same way that you approach the CZW show, they're all going to be easy. You're going to be ready. You're going to be prepared. So I guess what I'm trying to say is that the 60-minute Iron Man match, I could say that that was as close to a cage of death main event that I've ever experienced in, in ICW. And when I say a cage of death main event, you know that CZW closes the year in December with a big show, whether it be Sammy Callahan versus Danny Havoc, Nance Warner versus Ricky Shane Page, or Brandon Kurt versus Jimmy Lloyd. It's like, this is the culmination. This is it. This is the big fight that we have worked our whole year for. So I guess in a lot of ways, it almost had kind of like a WrestleMania, Super Bowl, uh, you know, cage of death feel to it because it was like nothing you'd ever seen before or that had ever been attempted before. That's the best way that I can describe the feel 
of No Holds Bar 8 with that uh, first ever 60-minute Iron Man deathmatch. Yeah, that was really cool watching that. It's like, oh, I hope no one gets hurt because they're doing this for an hour. Well, they're professionals. Yeah. They're professionals, and they didn't get hurt when they did the, you know, um, No Holds Bar 6, when they did the, the Canadian Destroyer off the barn through a pane of flaming glass. It's just going to be like 60 minutes of that this time. And damn yeah. they didn't deliver. They did, because they're pros. Yeah, they delivered really well on that. I was very worried at a few parts of that, when at some of the spots they were doing, but I'm happy they're both okay. And I mean, they're probably sore as shit. Oh yeah, but they're they're okay though. That's like that's what matters. They're they're okay. Yeah. After always, what they went through. All, listen, we're always going to be okay. The deathmatch yeah. guys are always going to be okay. What you need to worry about is like you know that strong style New Japan stuff. You know the head trauma. Oh yeah. I'm the, not to say that. I'm not to say drops. the deathmatch guys. I'm not saying the deathmatch guys don't take their lumps too, but. You know, I've been doing this for a number of years and the amount of like real serious injuries where it's like, oh, we got to take someone to an air like out of here on a medevac one time, one yeah. time. So we're going to be OK. So listen, I'm sorry to do this to you, but now I'm getting the five percent. So like okay. that's, you want to just hammer it in with a couple more and, and I'm, getting, uh, I'm sorry to do this to you. It's all good, man. Since your phone's about to die, um, where can, if people want to like find your social medias, where would they find you? All right, it's um easy on Twitter. I'm BLKLKP, and that stands for well, BLK is the first part of Blackout, which was my original stable in CZW. I was the official announcer for Blackout, so it's BLK and then LKP, my original name in wrestling, Larry Kennedy Phillips, the initial. So on Twitter at BLK. LKP is my Twitter. And then on Instagram, it's Larry underscore legend. But all of the and legends are, are, are threes. I know, real easy. Or the easier one on, on Twitter. I'm sorry, on Instagram, I'm at real Larry legend. At real Larry legend on Instagram as well. And then my Facebook is Larry legend. And my YouTube is Larry legend. And uh, my Snapchat is the same as my Twitter, at BLK LKP. Okay, and just... It was really nice talking to you, and hopefully we can do this again soon for a part two, if you would want to do that. I would love to, because guess what? I got a lot more to talk about with 18 years of experience. We just kind of scratched the surface on, you know, Ring of Honor, CZW, ICW, Dragon Gate, my kickboxing, but I'd love to talk about some detailed stories the next time that we're together. Oh, I'd, I'd like that a lot. We should do that for sure. Well, that was fantastic, Ducky. Thank you so much. And I know um, organizations like ICW and CZW, like this is this is tailor made for a sicko like you that really <laughs> that kind of that kind of digs all of the brutal, you know, you know, like I I I, I don't want to I don't want to say CZW is just straight death match. They are they, like they used to be. They're more like as you would say, actual wrestling now. They <laughs> haven't run a show since March, and they're coming back in February. Oh, okay, okay. Like, C CZW always was the... They took ECW even more. Yeah. You know, like, that. they took it one step more, but I, I all... No, but it started I'll, on Japan. 
that goes way more than that. <laughs> no, 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 no doubt. For but what for what we had exposure to, like CZW took ECW one more level, but they still they were still an actual what yeah you're right what would say like an actual federation i remember like some of the czw guys would invade ring of honor every once in a while yeah that that storyline that feud was awesome i liked that mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that czw How- wage cage of death that was so good i was so good <laughs> <laughs> so how long have you been into the czw oh shit i don't even know like from the beginning or did I, you discover it no, later not from the later beginning on? i mean i've watched all of it from the beginning now but okay i remember just like going through youtube and seeing this oh dj hyde throws danny havoc rest in peace danny havoc off a balcony and i was like what the hell is this and just in the ecw arena where they had their shows and he's just like just holding Danny Havoc and he just like tosses him like 15 feet and he just lands on two tables and it's like, shit, what the hell company is this? And I'm like, this is cool. And just started watching. I was probably in like grade 10. Okay. So, oh God, I got to do math. Shit. Wow. You were in your... 12 years ago. Okay. Okay. So you were in high school, obviously. Okay. I was 15. I was 15. Yeah. Oh, good. Right, right on. Okay, so, yeah, yeah, this is this is one of the things that, honestly, that I think makes this show. Because you're into, you're in, you've got your thing, Ducky. Matt is all over the place and knows everything, I'm convinced. Okay, yeah. and I'm kind of the old-timer here that... While I've got a good grip on things like the modern modern wrestling, like probably what comes out of me the most, you know, is the old school stuff. So I think the three of us got it going on. And if we can um, have more guests like Mr. Legend, you know, I think it'll take us, you know, one step more just in terms of absolute everything so thank you for that that was a fantastic chat and here is to some more um obviously you two will probably be have a greater fandom and a greater connection to the undertaker than i did this is probably a uh more meaningful for you guys and it probably hit you home you know more than it would have for me when did you like when did you guys first discover the undertaker uh for me it was during the attitude era uh i was in grade seven that's like yeah when i first started watching wrestling undertaker had already been around for like eight years at that point Mm-hmm. And uh, I think uh, Kane was like had only been there for a whole year, but like people were telling me about like when I first started learning about wrestling, people were like, "Oh yeah, this is the Undertaker, and this the, this guy over here, this is his brother Kane." And I was like, "Oh okay." <laughs> and oh, now he has a brother, just yeah. out of the blue. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like are they? And I'm, I'm, just like, I'm thinking to myself like, are they actually brothers? <laughs> They're like, I don't know. <laughs> but, <laughs> 
It's like oh, as far as as far as we were all concerned, yes, they were. But because mm-hmm. uh, like, oh, I always knew wrestling was fake. But yeah, you know, well, you know, whatever. It's still <laughs> but, real uh, to me, damn it. Oh yeah. <laughs> Don't be saying the four letter F word. Come on. <laughs> I'll say fuck all that, please. Okay, <laughs> that's right. That, that's acceptable. Yeah, okay. <laughs> the other four letter F word. No, that's not. No. Sorry. Okay. I knew. I knew wrestling was predetermined, scripted. But what? <laughs> it is what? What? You're bullshitting. Don't tell me about Santa Claus. <laughs> uh, well, he's not, he's not fake too, is he? Yeah. Well, he was on an episode of Raw. <laughs> oh true. man, yes, yeah, done by Austin. So, <laughs> uh, yeah. What about you, dude? When did you discover the Undertaker? Um, I started watching wrestling when I was four. So okay, probably. <laughs> okay, so yeah, the quote, the character would have been off and running. Yeah, yeah, it would have been right before Kane's debut at. Oh shit! What was that pay per view in your house? Bad, bad blood. That's it. Yeah. Like yeah, that's you know, the iconic moment right there. <laughs> yep. Right. Right. Myself. Um, when he showed up to the WWF, he was okay. Like the WWF, they had so many of these characters mm-hmm. and it's just like, okay, someone reached into the box of gimmicks, pulled out like this and said, here you go, big guy. Like, let's see if you can run with this, you know? And I just, I just remembered seeing the, uh, vignettes, and all that, bringing The Undertaker in, and all that. And it's like, okay, all right, it is it is what it is. It's another character. Honestly, I never would have predicted that it would have taken off the way it did, because there was just so many fucking plumbers and mailmen and repo guys and uh, yeah, you know, garbage like just, truck. Go, go, yeah, <laughs> yeah, you know, this is like the dumpster, Josie. Yeah, like, so why, why the hell would this take off? You know, obviously it did. It yeah, did. I think I think the reason for that is when you like you remember like was it our first episode, our very first turnbuckle talk where I was talking about. The, fundamentals of what makes a good pro wrestler and a pro wrestling the work rate the believability of your character and your promo abilities Mm -hmm. and in some weird way in some way shape or form the undertaker checks all three boxes Mm -hmm. and he did right from the start now you might think well he does he doesn't really talk rest in peace you know like just just stuff like that that works that worked for so many years where that's all he had to say and he had the mouthpiece he had paul bearer percy pringle who he had brother love before that (laughs) right right he he had the perfect foils Mm-hmm. Okay, but even even without not really, you didn't need, you know, just those few. What what little the Undertaker did say 
was enough. Okay, and for for a big guy, he had an incredible work rate, even in his later years. That's why they kept bringing him back every WrestleMania with Shawn Michaels, and you know they it was like, who are they going to bring in? So Undertaker can have a great match with, because I think he was only doing one or two matches a year because he's getting older, he's getting banged up Mm -hmm. and all that. But he still pulled it off for a big guy and all that and being so banged up. He had an amazing work rate. Mm -hmm. It was absolutely fantastic. Yeah, like uh, for the the last decade of his career, yeah, he was just kind of like coming back just for WrestleMania season. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, but he j- just a uh, after after like especially after they acknowledged the fact that s- the streak was a thing the his, the WrestleMania streak was a thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he would, he would kind of like show up like around the Royal Rumble, just kind of like uh, kind of like this outlaw that's like coming on the horizon to to defend his uh, <laughs> to defend his honor. <laughs> that's right. Yeah, that's that's right. That's right. And the character worked. Like, mm-hmm. okay, nobody believes he's actually the dead man. No. Okay, no one actually believes he came back. But everyone, or the vast majority, suspended that disbelief for those, for that, for that, like, when the lights went out, when you heard the gong, okay, you were invested. Yeah. All, all, all disbelief right out the window. And it worked so well for so long. Like an old timer like me, okay, I don't buy the character. I do buy the reaction. The reaction is legit. Oh, it's. And it's, I don't know if it's ever going to be replicated again. I don't know how you ever could. It's like just that, that one note that, that from that bell was just like, enough just to like make the the hairs on your arm and the back of your neck stand straight up mm-hmm. and, like, the, the look on like it, it didn't matter who it was in the ring as soon as like somebody heard that noise they just like froze and the expression on their face was like was priceless mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah like, i'm dead yeah <laughs> and that and that that helps the character as well you know, like that that initial reaction that I was like, oh, my God. Oh, no, mm-hmm. The Undertaker, you know, like that, that helps, you know, push push the character and the idea of of The Undertaker mm-hmm. and, and, and all that. So, yeah, my that was my first, you know, the vignettes, bringing them in. Um, I think it was, jeez, it was too... Against Hulk Hogan, like right, like he was, he was, he was the dead man. the The very first big thing that the Undertaker did was the whole Tuesday in Texas thing with Hulk Hogan. Like shortly after his debut, was, it was not the, a sorry? year a year into his career, he uh, he faced Hulk Hogan. I believe mm-hmm. his, his his debut was like as the last member of. Uh, uh, Team DiBiase at the Survivor Series. Right, right. And at one point, like before any real TV vignettes and all that, 
I believe he was called Kane the Undertaker. Yeah, he was right. only called Kane the Undertaker <laughs> once. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And then they just kind of buried that. Thank God. And, yeah. Oh, yes, that's a bad pun. Just that. <laughs> Just called it the Undertaker, which ended up being for the better. Oh, definitely, definitely. Because yeah. they certainly got some mileage out of that Kane name. Oh, oh sure, yeah. Sure. yeah, absolutely. <laughs> well, remember, Kane's original name was going to be Inferno. That was Pritchard's idea. Oh, boy, did that suck? Yeah. yeah. Well, the construction thing on the network. It's just Kane and Taker sitting down on like a stage, like. Right across from each other, talking for like an hour. It's amazing. Hmm. Nice. I will say though that being coming from a Christian household, being dragged kicking and screaming to church every Sunday until I was eighteen, I caught the name Cain right away. Oh because yeah, of, because of Cain and Abel and all right. that. It's like it's like okay, okay, this is. A brother thing. This the this spike, this makes uh, total sense. The spike little brother. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. Um, do you guys? Because okay, this is where it gets a little murky for me. But do you guys have like a a favorite match? Favorite, I would have to say, like absolutely was his match against Shawn Michaels at WrestleMania 25. Mm-hmm. I thought, like. Like for for both men, like being so far into their career, and like off Shawn Michaels obviously being like pretty close to the end of it at that point because he retired the year the year after that. But yeah, to just see these two men like who are already that far into their career put on this absolute five star classic. Like mm-hmm. I, I went into that match like not expecting anything special, <laughs> but mm-hmm. it's like uh, again because of their age, but. That's like I I thought for sure that was just going to be like a promo feud and that would be it. Right. And, but yeah, those two pulled out all the stops and then that ended up being the best best match of the entire card. <laughs> so <laughs> like all and like Triple H and Orton had to follow that. <laughs> uh, yeah, but that that wasn't that great though. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, definitely not. But, uh, definitely yeah, not. That, that one didn't live up to the hype, but. Yeah, but uh, Undertaker and Shawn Michaels exceeded every expectation I could have had. Like seeing, like seeing both of these guys just like pulling off all these moves, and like you actually felt like for the first time you actually thought that uh, Undertaker's WrestleMania streak was in jeopardy, like legitimately. Because mm-hmm. like, like at that time, like I think, or I think this was like right around the time when people started doing the whole kicking out of finishing moves thing. But like at that time, like nobody kicked out of the sweet chin music. Nobody kicked out of the tombstone. But well, in this match we saw that happen for like for both of those. And like I had to like I, I watched that live. Like I ordered that WrestleMania. When I watched that live, I was actually like on the edge of my seat literally and even hopped out a couple of times. I was like, <laughs> no fucking way. Like and yeah, under Undertaker taking dives to the outside, even at that age, even though yeah, that was like uh when he killed the camera guy? Yeah, when he killed the camera guy, yeah. <laughs> I still yeah. want to see that view from that camera. That would be amazing. Oh, man, yeah. Well, maybe just, maybe it broke. <laughs> yeah, just here we go. Oh, I'm going to die. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Undertaker almost like landed on his head at that that point, I think. Yeah, but uh, that camera guy, he would have. Oh, yeah, for sure. But, yeah, like, just 
everything about that match from the from the promos uh, leading up to it, and like the even the entrances where like Shawn Michaels was all God Boy at the time, and he was like did his entrance where he he came down from the heavens dressed in like a trench coat and a hat similar to the Undertaker's, but they were white. So he oh, like okay. yeah, so he came down from the heavens, and then. Then you could just didn't see him for for a couple seconds, and then his regular music or his yeah his music started up, and he came out, did his entrance, and then Undertaker rose up from underneath the stage, like ascending from hell. Yeah. <laughs> so I thought that was a pretty cool little theatric, and then mm-hmm. yeah, then like after all the back and forth, like the like the, all the near pinfalls and like not knowing. Like legitimately not like not being able to call who's going to win that match, and then Undertaker eventually pulling it out after or pulling it off after I think the third tombstone in that match. Oh, jeez. Yeah, like there was even one point where like I think it was the second tombstone that Shawn, Shawn Michaels had kicked out of, and then it like zoomed in on Undertaker's face, and he was just like, like even he was had that look on his face. He was like, "Oh my god, like what is this going to take?" <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, eventually he. Yeah, eventually he did put him away, and it was one more, one more match on the on the streak, the streak mm-hmm, card. Mm-hmm. Norm, normally, I'm really not being like the old schooler in me. I'm not big on kicking out of the the finishing maneuvers, mm-hmm. but in in a situation like this, a match like this, these two iconic, you know, you know, these two wrestling legends going back and forth and having a big match and all that, and Showing what they can do, showing what the Undertaker can do, going back to what I said at the beginning of this segment, that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Okay, like this isn't like <laughs> this isn't like uh, an episode of Dynamite or Raw where you're kicking out of super kicks and all that just for fun. Okay, <laughs> okay, this is this this is WrestleMania, the streaks on the line and all that, like. It's something extra special. Mm-hmm. So to like that's when that's it's times like that where you let you know stuff like kicking out of finishing maneuvers and all that. That's when you know you have to apply that, and I think that works. I think that works yes. definitely in that. And it was the match, you know, with with Michaels at the beginning of this segment. Like like I said, he had that incredible work rate. That just got better as he got older. It seemed, yeah, to to a to a point, yeah, <laughs> you know, because the younger incarnations of the Undertaker, where he was all character, yeah, okay, and as he got older, a little bit more of Mark Calloway came out. And all that, and they kind of made him a little more human, sort of, you know, kind of a roundabout way. And they gave him the opportunity, and I guess the time and the character, like, to show an athlete instead of, like, a horror film character. Right. Like, well, when they when they brought him back as the American badass character in 2000s, like, that essentially was just Mark Calloway. Right. Right, which honestly, and this is going to be blasphemy, that's my favorite incarnation of The Undertaker. Like, that's, of you know, that's 
the one that I kind of enjoyed the most just because it was the most believable for me. I didn't have to suspend any disbelief or anything. I think they called him like Biker Taker. Uh, yeah, that was like a that, they never called him that on air. That was just like an internet yeah. name that they gave right. him Biker Taker. Yeah, right, right, right. Which it, and it's it's actually kind of a throwback to a character that you would have seen in the territories right then before coming up to the WWF and getting a more, you know, reaching into that box of gimmicks and giving something else like hillbilly Jim. He actually in the old mid Atlantic area, he actually went by the name Harley Davidson and he had a biker type gimmick. (laughs) yeah you know you know so when they kind of put that when they kind of created biker taker i was like all right this is cool yeah you know okay but it's 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 not like i'm not i'm not ragging on the undertaker that you guys know and love the most and all that because like like i said like he checked all the boxes and it was actually pretty pretty cool yeah absolutely Uh, What about you, Ducky? Do you have like a favorite Undertaker match or anything that kind of sticks out for you? The one that really sticks out the most for me is his bear, the first Buried Alive match. Okay. Ah. Yo- Yokozuna? No, him and McFoley. Mankind. Oh, okay. Mankind, yeah. Hmm. Which they were, because so, remember how they had that feud, they did like Buried Alive, they did the Boiler Room Brawl, they were supposed to have another one, but it never ended up happening. Oh. They Strange. were talking about doing, uh, renting out Alcatraz for a day. Oh. <laughs> and doing like an Alcatraz match, and the way to win would to be escaping Alcatraz. Oh. Huh. No. Okay. Uh, Which, that would have been really cool. Yeah, I can see that happening now. With these cinematic matches. Yeah, that would have been I, I can see that. And I've I've been to Alcatraz. Like, not a, I'm not that old. Not as a not as a prisoner and all that. But as <laughs> as a tourist in San Francisco. Like, yeah. when I when I was a teenager, I went on I went on vacation to San Francisco and all that. I've been on Alcatraz and it's that's that's cinematic match material right there. I'm surprised they haven't actually done that. Unless there's like a lot of legal red tape you got to jump through and all that, and then they just decided it wasn't worth it. Yeah, maybe. But. You know what? You know what, man? I never, I, I never knew that. I never. That's that's a really good idea. Yeah, I didn't know that either. Oh, well, and definitely. like at the time, Taker Mankind would have been the perfect one for it. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah. Uh, um, it it kind of got to the point where the streak, the WrestleMania streak, mm-hmm. okay, was more was the bigger thing than the world title itself. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it was. Were but, you kind? Were you guys kind of at the point now where, for you guys, the streak meant more? Well, I definitely like. I I didn't know like, yeah, like at, at the point like after the Shawn Michaels match, 
I didn't know if anybody was going to be able to beat it at that time. Like he, he faced Shawn Michaels two years in a row. Then he faced Triple H two years in a row. Then he was still, <laughs> still the, the streak remained intact. Mm-hmm. Then WrestleMania 30 came along. Like I can honestly say, I never would have thought that Brock Lesnar would have been the guy to break the streak, but mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. apparently that's the way Mark wanted it. So, uh, yes. Well, even in that Brothers <laughs> of Destruction interview the other day, he said he wish someone else would have taken it. He said he wish it would have been Roman. So, yeah, that's interesting. But okay, uh, yeah, but he didn't, uh, he didn't think Brock needed it. Of course not. No, but Roman also wasn't really that, like, he wasn't a main event player at the time. No. No, he wasn't. But the idea, if if you're going to actually kill the streak, this thing that meant so much for so long, that's actually surpassing your titles and all that, you have to use it to strap a rocket on someone's back to create a new star. Mm-hmm. Okay, now there was a lot of speculation that behind the scenes that Brock Lesnar and Mark Calloway were our buddies. Yeah, they are. You know, and all and all that. So it's like, uh, so when I when I found that out, you know, after you know the streak was broken by Brock Lesnar, it was like, uh, really? Because it's just. It's like when, uh, like one rich millionaire goes and helps out another rich millionaire just because they're buddies and all that. And it, it was it was a wasted opportunity to do something for someone else. Yeah, like I think I, I'll. I honestly don't know if or I heard a lot of people say that Undertaker did want it that way at the time, but. With the fact that Undertaker suffered a concussion in that match, like pretty early on. Oh, okay. Who who knows if he was supposed to kick out of the F five, or if he just laid there because he was really that concussed. He was that he was that injured. Okay, that I understand. Mm-hmm. That that I get. But to waste the streak on a part timer like Brock Lesnar, who really doesn't even care. Yeah, like he's just there for a paycheck, and meanwhile. You've got a whole roster of guys that you could create, you know, just, you know, from from breaking the streak. He's the guy that broke the streak and he's going to be around in six months and you could really run with it and and create a huge star and all that. It was just the whole thing just ah, just smacked of wasted opportunity and it just it still gnaws me to this day <laughs> like, like it really does and it's just like uh maybe i need to kiss a girl you know what i mean you know like when i like i like i always say and i, and I said the same thing okay when when um when brock pinned the undertaker and you had they showed all the people in the audience they, with the stunned look on their faces, like, like, oh my god, like this is life altering for them. And Snow, yeah. we need someone who was there. <laughs> yeah, like we wanted to. It's like, it's like, ah, like I just wanted to scream, like guys, like really, yeah, <laughs> they kiss a girl, you guys, but I, 
I guess since since it's still kind of bothering me, like I really can't. I really, I really can't. I really can't get on anyone else's case for having an impact on their life and all that when I'm still kind of like about it. Yeah. Well, like, like the thing is too is that like. Like the referees are always are, are told to always count or make the count as if they would count to three, if, uh-huh. as if it were like the final decision. But like right. being that the Undertaker was so concussed, he didn't know where the hell he was, and like and and also the fact that they they they've edited it now uh, on the network. But initially when they played it live, the bell didn't ring after the referee counted three, so that no. also. Yeah, no one really knew what was going on then. Yeah, yeah, uh, it was like fair stunned enough. silence of a of a stadium full of people. <laughs> <laughs> so who, who knows if that was originally supposed to happen? But I think, I think if it wasn't, then uh, yeah, having him having him keep the streak going until until WrestleMania thirty three, where where Roman beat him, and then he. And where he initially retired, I think that would have been a lot more meaningful. But being that, oh one, yeah, <laughs> seeing as how that was his second WrestleMania loss, <laughs> it kind of just didn't yeah. really have the same impact. That's right. That's right. You don't remember the second man on the moon. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like for sure, for sure. And yeah, you're you're absolutely right. If like say say whatever you want about Reigns, like he's still here. Mm-hmm. And he cares, and he wants to be a part of the show and all that. Yeah, so he definitely would have uh, would have been the better choice. Um, I gotta say though, the heat the heat that Roman Reigns got the next day on Raw though was like molten. <laughs> that was uh, yeah. yeah, yeah. Didn't did, didn't he come out and say this is my yard now? Yeah, after there like, for five minutes to fuck. Yeah, yeah. and that—that's all—that's all he had to do. That's all he had to say. Yeah, like that—that that was perfect because, mm-hmm. like, every like the heat's already there. Every every everyone's giving them the gears and all that. And he's if he's turning heel, then throw it back at him. Mm-hmm. It's like fuck you, I won. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know. <laughs> you know that that should have been he should have been a heel right from that moment yeah i agree with you and like again but could you imagine how much more impactful that would have been had that have been undertaker's only loss at wrestlemania that one mm-hmm. oh definitely like, de- de- definitely it's like fuck, yeah. why is it we can book better than the wwf can i don't i don't, I don't understand this but okay, <laughs> oh, fair enough. Obviously, Undertaker is Hall of Fame material. Of course. Yeah, yeah. Um, who do you obviously? Okay, unfortunately, Paul Bearer, per Percy Pringle. Okay, he's no longer with us. He himself someday should be, you know, going into the Hall of Fame. He's in who, the Hall. Of- yeah, he is. <laughs> oh, or, oh, Percy Pringle. Yeah, he or yeah, Paul Bear is in the Hall of Fame for sure. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's, it, like the WWF Hall of Fame doesn't mean a hell of a lot to me. Okay, okay, because it's just a show the night before. Like, I, yeah, like if if the if the WWF had a Hall of Fame had an actual building, 
you know, that people like Cooperstown with hockey and all. Yeah. yeah it's Cooperstown. Okay. Like, then it, then it would mean something to me. This doesn't, uh, you know, mm. like it, this. So I don't always know exactly who's in and, who, and who's not. Pretty sure the Undertaker's not yet. No. no. Okay. Who would you guys tap to induct him? Probably Kane. Right. But, I don't know. It'd be like a three-way toss-up, I think, between either. Oh, geez. I don't know. Kane, Pritchard, like, or Vince? Yeah, or even The Godfather, because they're Charles Wright and Mark Galloway are really good friends. Apparently, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think it would, either, it would either be Charles Wright or or Kane, I'd say. All right. What about you, dude? Probably. I'm going to have to go with Vince. Yeah. Well, then again, watching Vince talk about Taker before his final farewell, it looked like he did. He was having trouble talking. So uh. maybe he was getting choked up because I know him and uh, Callaway and McMahon are actually like pretty close in real life. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a tough call. it's like it's like one of those. It's one of those questions you think you know the answer to until you have to answer it. <laughs> <laughs> yes, and I've I've done interviews for like 14 years now on our brother show, Radioactive Metal, and sometimes I trip up artists when I'm asking questions because I'll pull out a question from left field and they're like, uh, holy shit, that's a good question, dude. I don't know, and all that. But I was thinking about this. One of the most famous moments, okay, in just wrestling history in general was the hell in the cell between Undertaker and Mankind. Oh, my God, yeah. And Foley went off the cage twice. He went off off the side, like, in the first, like, two minutes of the match. Right, right. And then through the roof. My yeah. God, he's dead. He's dead. I kind of thought that he could have been. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's like even Mick said, because remember how Taker chokeslams Terry Funk just randomly after that happened? They got yeah. like face to face there for a second, and Taker asked Terry, just asked him if he's alive. And then Terry, that's when Cherry, Terry checked his pulse after. Oh, and then Terry got back up and got close to Taker for a second. He's like, "Yeah, he's still breathing." And then Taker just <laughs> choke slammed him. <laughs> wow. But yeah, like yeah, I remember like when he when he took the choke slam onto the onto the top. That the, it wasn't supposed to like break away like it did. It was just kind of supposed to break away a little bit and like sag down. And oh, okay. To kind of like slide slide through it, <laughs> but that is not right. what happened. Obviously. Not at all. Not at all. Like that was definitely one of the scariest moments like in wrestling and like that that's that really sticks out for me. So just in just in terms of entertainment, the night of the Hall of Fame. Okay. Mick Foley inducting the Undertaker. That was okay. yeah. I could see his that. his little mini speech. Like before bringing the Undertaker out would be gold. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, 
In 98, he tried to kill me. <laughs> yeah. Like yeah. The, the, the funny thing about that match, too, is that going into the match, Mick Foley was perfectly okay. Well, for all intents and purposes, like as, uh, as, but, as okay as you're going to be. Yeah. Yeah. He, he was okay. And like, yeah, like not excluding all the long term injuries he had already suffered over the years. But uh, Undertaker entered that match with a broken foot and he came out looking better on the other end. <laughs> yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. Wow, wow, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, what do you guys got? What do you guys want to... I've got kind of exhausted everything that I was kind of thinking of for The Undertaker. What do you guys got here? His match at SummerSlam Highway to Hell with Austin was great. Oh, yeah, that was that was good, too. When he accidentally almost knocked him out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. When he went like, to stand up and Austin was right there and he headbutted his chin and Austin was derped for a few minutes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's there's been quite a few like close calls over the Undertaker's career when it comes to like like either like severe injuries or near deaths. Mm-hmm. But uh, uh, I think it was what was it? Uh, it was Elimination Chamber in two thousand eight. I think it was when he came out in the pyro. Yeah, a pyro lit his jacket on fire. <laughs> oh, jeez! And he yeah. got second degree burns. Yeah, he had second degree burns all up his back. And he still wrestled. He still wrestled the match the entire time he was in the pod in the elimination chamber. He's just dumping bottles of water all over himself. Yep. Yeah. So that you think too on that um, hot ones episode, he was talking about that when he Mm -hmm. had like second degree burns on his chest, and Jericho had him in the walls of Jericho, and it had his chest rubbing against the mat, and he was like, "Oh." (laughs) I'll have to send you guys that video. It's really good. That must have been the longest walls of Jericho. Oh, oh <laughs> I was just thinking about it. Felt like, yeah. Like, I don't know what would be worse. Like, the the one that, yeah, that one to Undertaker with the secondary burns on, on the chest or the one that Triple H got after he tore his quad on the announce yeah. table. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but wrestling's fake. Oh, totally. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah. But yeah, that's like... Yeah, not only that, and then just so many iconic moments over the over the years, uh, or like like one of the most iconic storylines that like went on for like these twenty three years was his storyline with Kane being mm-hmm. like no, the yeah. It was supposed to be they were just looking for an opponent for him for like a one time thing, and then it lasted twenty three years. Yeah, it's because mm-hmm. like. Bruce Pritchard said, like, Undertaker could have good matches with people like Shawn Michaels and and Triple H, but there was never anybody that was, like, a credible threat to him, because the whole giant Gonzalez thing obviously didn't work out. Oh, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> okay. One yeah. reason he left WCW. <sighs> and then Vince made him work with him. Yeah. 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 But, uh, but, yeah, like, just uh, that, that very first Hell in a Cell match against Shawn Michaels when he had him beat and like Shawn Michaels was just like a bloody pulp or as JR would say, bleeding like a stuck pig. <laughs> and then yeah, he, he had him beat and the, the lights go down and you hear those like those classic organs for the very first time and Kane comes out. Yeah, just 
all the red lights and Paul Bearer standing there too, just like doing his thing, just like yeah, just <laughs> just flapping his gums at the Undertaker, being like, "I told you, I told you." <laughs> <laughs> that, that's gotta be that's gotta be great. Yeah, and then the, the, like Undertaker said himself, that whole match was like, or the entire Hell in a Cell structure itself was designed with the like for Kane because like. Yeah. Like this, this structure that nobody can get in, or like nobody can get in for outside interference or whatever. And then Kane like literally rips the doors off the hinges, and just like and they were and people had their doubts about whether or not Glenn Jacobs could pull that off because he was like, but then people were like afterwards people were like, it's like it's like you took the bat like not only could you dribble the ball but you were like putting it behind your back and doing tricks with it. <laughs> <laughs> And yeah, that that led just to a, ripped off the door. Yeah, <laughs> ripped off the door and like yeah, knocked out all the all the referees <laughs> who tried to stop him. But and then uh, Tim Taker, who laid there for five minutes until Sean pinned him. Yeah, like one arm draped over, and then Earl Hebner's like epic slogan. But I uh, like I will say that that was like yeah, probably the one of the most iconic debut in history not to take it away from the undertaker but uh, mm-hmm. but he, he played a he played a, a a huge role in it obviously and yeah but and then the fact that that would lead to lead, lead to a 23 year storyline of them constantly getting or like making up and then fighting each other and then making up again and then fighting each other again all the mm-hmm. while Paul is like Switching sides. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I remember, oh, what was, was it the, was it the uh, WCW, ECW Alliance, and it was still Biker Taker at the time. Yes. The, the, yeah, and they, the, like, the, the WWF was under attack. Mm-hmm. Okay, and I remember like Vince is rallying the troops in the in the back, and Biker Taker kind of stood up and said, "Hey, we'll just let just let me and my brother here take care of this." Like yeah. that's what I wanted to see. Okay, <laughs> okay, I wanted to see Biker Taker and Kane like take on like WCW. Like that, yeah. that that probably would have been more interesting than what they came up with. Yeah. And, you know, and all that, because you had just, you know, Hulk and the thing, you know, against the rest of the Marvel Universe would have been just amazing. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and that's that's that that's I really I was hoping that like they kind of would have went there. Unfortunately, not. That's one of the things. Okay, when I just when I think about the Undertaker, like these special memories that kind of pop into my head and all that, like that's something that always stayed with me. Another thing that always stayed with me was um, after Randy Savage and Elizabeth's wedding. Mm-hmm. Okay, and Jake Roberts did everything that he like. Jake the Snake did everything that he could to ruin it, but Undertaker stopped him, and 
Jake is like, well, whose side are you on? And he just looked at Roberts and went, not yours. And it's like, I don't know, for some reason, like these little things, like what what I did yesterday at work or, you know, like, I, I don't know. Don't ask me. That was yesterday. But what happened 30 years ago, this one line on a wrestling show kind of sticks. Yeah. You know? <laughs> and, you know, and that's just that was that was just something that always kind of stuck with me. Yeah. That's yeah, yeah, the some the little things that fucking just stick in your mind mm-hmm, forever. Mm-hmm. And like the Undertaker had those. Oh yeah. In spades. Yeah. Like when they when they crucified uh Stephanie McMahon. Oh yeah, like, we're, we're about to marry <laughs> when they were about to marry them. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. They actually did they not like put her on a cross? like on TV and raised her yeah. up and all that. And it's like, yeah. holy jeez. Like that, that was smack dab in the middle of the attitude era. Or, right? or when Undertaker hung big boss man at WrestleMania. Oh shit. Yeah. That's another yeah. thing. Like, could, could you do like in today's PC world, like, could you do some of this shit? Like, can you do like a buried alive match? I don't know. Like, it's like, like, can you hang a guy? Can can you crucify a girl? Like the, some of the shit that they did mm-hmm. with, with the Undertaker's. Like, wow. When looking back, remember when they tried to kill Austin in that um, funeral home? Oh yeah, they tried to embalm him. Yeah, yeah. Mm. No, mm. I no, I don't. Was that the? I guess that was part of the Attitude Era as well. Yeah, it, yeah. Like the the whole thing was like they. Undertaker had Undertaker and Paul Bearer had like uh, chloroformed Stone Cold and like took him to this funeral home where they were gonna like embalm him alive. <laughs> oh jeez. Okay, that's one step up of the uh, against the Ultimate Warrior. Yeah. When they threw the Ultimate Warrior in a casket. And then when they finally opened the casket up, and this kind of stuck in my head because it was the attention to detail they showed the inside of the casket where warrior was clawing at the at at at, at the lid to get out mm-hmm. and all that it's like stuff like that that's what makes that that's a shit you remember and like that's just that's just terrifying the idea of being buried alive Mm-hmm. You know, like there's just like some of the ways to go when you really think about it. Like that is that's got to be one of the worst. Yeah, that's you horrifying. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Now, apparently, when you you would you would just kind of like it's like falling asleep when like when you run out of oxygen, like you know. Mm-hmm. But that that moment from realizing that oh my god, I'm being buried alive. To that point where you do pass out, that must be just oh fuck! Uh, I, I couldn't imagine that. And and the with the Undertaker character, they were able to tap into stuff like that, like yeah. tap tap into the human emotions, you know. Yeah, like the 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 psychological side of, side mm-hmm. of yeah. Mm-hmm. That's why they had the the casket matches and. What was that? What was the match against his brother against Kane? 
in oh, there. Inferno. Inferno yeah. match. Yeah, like the first like you had to set the guy on fire. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's like and it and it all works back to about how it was a house fire that they thought his brother had died in and all that. So that's why they added like that's that's good storytelling. Like you don't need sitcom writers like the WWF has now. Yeah. Like they had bookers. They had wrestling bookers back then, and they came up with stuff for a character like The Undertaker. <laughs> All Bruce, that. Bruce Pritchard had a hand in most of that stuff. So, well, yeah, well, Pritchard is a wrestling guy. Yeah, but now when he books shit, it's terrible. Yeah. Okay. Is he still like? Is he is he still booking? I just thought maybe he just yeah. He, Vince's he run door. On SmackDown booking now. Okay. Mm. I, I don't know. I don't know. Like, I really, I, I know I've said this on the show before. It's like, I do have to start watching the WWF again, I guess. Yeah, I'm pretty sure he had a big hand in that dog food angle between King Corbin and uh, Roman Reigns. <laughs> yep. Uh, I'm almost afraid at least, that, so. at least he didn't do the low blow angle between Nakamura and AJ like Road Dog did. Oh, yeah. Well, oh. well. Not not everybody's an endless supply, endless supply of great ideas. Nope. <laughs> yeah. Well, apparently we are, yes. since we seem to be booking every federation every week. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Do you guys have anything else that you want to share about The Undertaker? Because, like I said, you guys are bigger fans than I was. It's just about time to bring this crazy train into the station what else you guys got that you want to share uh nothing really undertaker related anymore but would like to thank larry legend for being on mm-hmm. and sharing his experience with the wrestling business so far with us yeah De- definitely okay fantastic well then um how can I, people get a hold of sorry. us oh sorry i just wanted to say like to cap off the whole thing about Undertaker, I just want to thank Mark Calloway for 30 years of dedicating himself to to this business just to entertain people mm-hmm. and for being one of the greatest character performers of all time in the business. Like, no, I don't think anybody will ever have a career that will match the Undertaker's. <laughs> Definitely not. Thank you, sir. Thank you, sir. Yes, yes. How can people get a hold of us? You can get a hold of us on Facebook at facebook.com slash wrestling night in Canada and on Instagram at wrestling night in Canada. And of course, uh, Wrestling Night in Canada is a proud member of the Shining Wizards Network, shiningwizardsnetwork.com. Um, kind of check us out there. The network is a fantastic little group of really cool, predominantly wrestling uh, podcasts, but there's... Um, there's there's comedy, there's pop culture, there's our brother program radioactive metal if you haven't had enough of your cool uncle snowy and you are into the metal like we are you'll want to um check that show out as well and i just wanted to say 
Hello and horns up to the Shining Wizards guys themselves, I believe. As we speak, as we're doing this, okay, they are recording their ninth anniversary episode. Oh. Uh, yeah, to be nine again, you know. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you know, and I say that because radioactive metal, you know, I've been doing that for like 14 years now. Huh, to be nine again, and I can't wait until Wrestling Night in Canada is celebrating their ninth birthday. In the meantime and in between time, that's it. This has been another exciting episode of Wrestling Night in Canada. Uh, I'm Snowy White. I'm Matt Copper. And I'm Dustin Maruka. Signing off. And we're from Winnipeg, you idiots. <laughs>